following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Discovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Gello, joined alongside my co-host, Jonathan Ash. Hello there. And uh, we are doing part three in this wonderful deep dive that is the NWA title and really the NWA business uh, from 2007 to 2017. Uh, our last episode, part two, got a lot of good feedback for it, and we really dug into the Cabana Pierce Seven Levels of Hate, which we're going to uh, address on this podcast uh, episode as well uh, for a little bit, but also too while uh, we we talked about Bruce Starp taking over and all the drama that happened with that a questionable NWA board of directors uh, member at least we talked about uh, was it Yum or Yummy <laughs> the exotic dancer? Well, um, no, she wasn't the uh, she wasn't the new board member. <laughs> no, she was she wasn't on the board, but she she she, she, she worked for one with. of the board directors. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we talked. We talked. The Sheik. Uh, some of you now know is Joseph Samuel in uh, MLW, the leader of Contra. Uh, his whole controversy of did he not want to drop the belt, or was it just communication, or whatever it was, and that led to him having the NWA title when the NWA didn't recognize it, as well as Dale Gagner's AWA title after Dale Gagner was done running the AWA at the same time defending in Japan. So uh, lots of. Uh, Lots of fun stuff. Go back if you haven't listened to part two and then part one where we kind of set the tone where TNA, uh, you know, leaves NWA and WWE tries that Phillips Arena show and and uh, they try the Colors TV deal uh, on, on uh, DirecTV or Dish Network, sorry. And uh, so those are great episodes, but we're going to kind of get in the meat and potatoes here before we start. Remember on social media, RTI pod on Twitter, Rediscover the Indies on Instagram and Facebook, uh, where you can, if we have any news regarding the show, we put up the uh, This Day in Independent Wrestling History. Try to do it daily. I know a little bit there. I uh, wasn't able to do it daily. A uh, little crazy uh, October we've had. But uh, so lately we've had it up there daily, a little tidbit about maybe title change, an event, a uh, momentous thing that happened in independent wrestling. We try to put up every day on the three social media platforms that we have. Uh, but uh, also, you know, anything you want to hear or talk about, feel free we're we're we respond pretty good uh we're pretty good with social media if you shoot a message to uh one of the pages uh social media or one of the podcast social media pages and say hey can you guys cover this or you had a question this we're pretty good and pretty responsive there uh, of course always want to thank matt johnson at the bscbp radio network we're proud to be a member of the network as well as the podcast precinct studio we're not in the podcast precinct today we're actually remote uh as you've had a very busy october I've had a pretty busy, but yours has been 10 times busier than mine uh, as we're uh, kind of doing this during the week remotely instead of our usual Saturday morning recording. Yeah, um, trying something different here, uh, having some issues uh, ready with it, but hopefully uh, we'll go off 
pretty well recording it uh like three times with redundancies so hopefully uh no issues here yeah we're very honest here on uh, rediscovering the indies uh we recorded this last night or at least an hour of it and uh it all got lost <laughs> so this is this is take two here the next night but it's a little earlier uh so well, i, we'll I blame, think blame zoom i'm gonna blame yeah. zoom it, it crashed out of fault. nowhere on a brand um, new mac mini there's no reason for it to for it to crash but it did and now we're recording in audacity and gold wave on a separate computer and you're recording off site so i think we'll be good yeah we we, we should be good uh for uh for this episode but uh so yeah so uh we're gonna get right into it here uh where we left off was the 2012 and we're gonna start with the observer september 17 2012 with the change in who is running the national wrestling alliance two of its most high profile if there is such a thing promotions pulled out last week nwa hollywood championship wrestling run by dave marquez who has the strongest local television at the cw affiliate in los angeles pulled out and changed its name to championship wrestling from hollywood Gabriel Ramirez, Pro Wrestling Revolution, which at best I can tell, with the exception of Mike O'Brien's Northeast Wrestling, is the best drawing indie promotion in the country. They have had shows drawing more than 1,000, including last month, one last month in Watsonville, California, usually based on bringing in stars from Mexico, also pulled out. As a part of the legal settlement in the insurance fraud case brought by Texas lawyer Bruce Tharp, a former announcer for Championship Wrestling from Florida in the 80s, Tharp is now president of the NWA and formed a new corporation given control of the name and intellectual property. Bob Trobich, who was part of the group that kept the name alive after WCW pulled out of the NWA, had resigned from the president position during the course of the case. Bill Barons, who had handled much of the company's publicity, also pulled out of the new version. So, a little bit to touch here. Uh, first off, uh, uh, what Gabriel Ramirez Pro Wrestling Revolution uh, still going strong. If you have a chance to check out what they're doing out there in the West Coast, uh, really, really good stuff. A lot of luchador stars, but uh, a lot of American stars as well. Uh, but Gabriel Ramirez, actually, uh, at least I know he listened to the APW show and uh, had some pretty good uh, uh, feedback regarding it. And we appreciate him being a listener. Hope he's still listening to us and he hears this, but uh, they do some good things out there um still to this day and have longevity speaking of longevity nwa uh hollywood championship wrestling became championship wrestling from hollywood has kind of turned into a brand dave marquez who uh is the promoter of that brand and now they have championship wrestling from atlanta championship wrestling from memphis championship wrestling from arizona i think there might even be a couple others or at least a couple others in the works from what dave marquez says on social media so they got a great thing going, uh, usually on like CW affiliates, which CW is a pretty strong, like cable affiliate to be on. If you can't be on the top four, it's probably the best one to be on, especially over on my network TV or when you get into the sub channels. And, uh, so those are two huge losses to the NWA, just to the comment that, uh, Mark, Mark, I'm sorry, the kind of the Meltzer said about Northeast Wrestling. Northeast Wrestling is still doing great, still drawing awesome houses. Uh, these three promotions, now Northeast Wrestling wasn't part of the NWA, but all these three promotions still longevity in the wrestling business as being successful independent wrestling promotions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you said, all three still around. Uh, Michael Bryan's still going strong, just recently did a show. Uh, a few weeks ago with Will Osprey and drew upwards of a thousand. So he's still going strong. And yeah, uh, Mark, 
Marquez, Dave Marquez basically took this idea of NWA Hollywood and just expanded it to creating his own uh his own affiliate system off of that. Yeah, so and and uh check out all those three promotions. Still doing good stuff in independent wrestling. But yeah, these are, you know, to touch on what it means to this episode, those are pretty big losses right off the bat. You know, you lose you lose Dave Marquez, who is, you know, he's a production uh, savant, you should say. You know, he, he knows what he's talking about, or knows what he's doing, at least as far as producing uh, wrestling for television. So you lose yeah, somebody he's a, like he's that. A, he's a professional with that. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. Being a, a TV broadcaster with wrestling. You don't uh, come across a lot of those in, at our level of work. Yeah, and that, and that was a, that's a huge loss. It's a huge outlet. I mean, here's a guy that probably has connections and networking to TV deals and all that. Um, he probably was a big factor in that Dish TV deal. Uh, he's got a lot of connections, uh, you know, through the TV world. So that's a huge loss for the NWA right off the bat with Bruce Starr being the NWA president. Um, November 5th, 2012 observed the NWA title now controlled by new NWA president Bruce Tharp will be decided in an elimination match on November 2nd. Adam Pierce essentially vacated the title on October 27th. Pierce and Cole Cabana have been working on the best of seven series that was tied three, three matches each. My impression is that Cabana was going to win the seventh match, a cage match scheduled for October 27th in Melbourne, Australia, since Adam Pierce has talked to retiring at the end of this year. The idea was to mimic the best of the seven series in the past, like Magnum T versus Nikita Koloff and Booker T versus Chris Benoit. When the change in power of the NWA, the Australian promotion formerly NWA Warzone, is no longer part of the NWA. So the new version of the NWA apparently didn't want the belt on Cabana, so the match was made on title. Cabana won, and Pierce gave Cabana the NWA title belt. Cabana turned it down and gave it back to Pierce. Pierce threw it on the ground and said in the ring that he wished the NWA the best in his future endeavors. The next night, the NWA set out a release saying the title was vacant and wished Pierce well in his future endeavors. They announced the title will be decided on November 2nd in Clayton, New Jersey at the high school gym for the NWA dog promotion in an eight-man elimination match with Chance Prophet, Lance Erickson, Damian Wayne, Jason Kincaid, Anthony Nice, who actually just signed with AEW, uh, Papa Don, Biggie Biggs, and Lance Anoa'i. I always, Anoa'i, I always get the Anoa'i uh, mess up a pronunciation there, um, who is Alpha's grandson. So, uh, and we're going to have a little more of this when we get to uh, the figure four weekly from Alvarez, but yeah, I mean, this was probably the biggest buzz for the NWA at the time was that these guys were out having these really great gimmick matches and doing a best of seven series. And you're just like, nope, we want no, we we don't want the title on either of them. We we don't want this, you know, in Australia anymore. <laughs> we just want nothing to do with it. We want to take this title. We want to bring it back to the States and we want to put it in, you know, and nothing against NWA Dog, but compared to what they were doing in Australia, or at least the best of seven series, not as big as a draw on paper. I mean, Pearson Cabana compared compared to those names in 2012, big difference. Yeah, and it just comes off as Bruce Tharp wanted his his guys. He had a vision that he wanted to go with the NWA, and obviously Cabana was not part of that vision, and. I think it should be noted too that 
Cole Cabana, Adam Pierce, they were Dave Marquez guys. They were championship wrestling Hollywood guys. So that might have played a factor in this as well. You know, yes, but I mean, were did they want nothing to do with the NWA or did Bruce Starp want nothing to do with them? I think that's the big question because when you look on paper here, I mean, Adam Pierce was a Ring of Honor guy. Uh, Colt Cabana at this time was a Ring of Honor guy and a former WWE guy, but he had the WWE run already. So these are, you know, these guys, when you're looking at who's free agents on the independents, they got some of the most star power compared to who's out there and can give you a great performance show. Those former WWF guys from the 80s, you know, like Virgil, but, you know, he's a star, I guess. But Virgil's not going to put on four or five star matches. Um, <laughs> Virgil against Adam Pierce would have been great. <laughs> You know, but, but, you know, uh, my point is, is that, you know, it's inheriting these two in their best of seven series, you think is a great thing, but they're like, no, we want nothing to do that. We really want to start fresh to my, in my opinion, my, you know, it's just my opinion only. Uh, I don't think that was a good decision. Um, and it kind of, kind of looks bad for your brand. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about a little bit when Alvarez's description on how, how both of them kind of treated this decision from the NWA. Yeah, I think you had this angle that was going on, this the the best of seven series is going on for pretty much 18 months. And, yeah, just, and I, I think Tharp just needed to understand, just see it through. And then if Cabana's gonna win the belt, Cabana's gonna win the belt, and then deal with that a month later. Then you could have the title change. Like it it made sense for the story to go along to go with that um i've seen that time and time again on the indies where the locker room certain wrestlers might not agree with something that a promoter is doing that booker is doing but you got to look at it as is it the right thing for the storyline has the storyline progressed in a way where this title change or this outcome has to happen or will it kill the territory kill the company if you don't do it and not putting that belt on Cabana, the way that they handled it, I think hurt the NWA more than having Cabana as champion would have. Yeah, and and, and like I said, it, the stuff that comes out in the Alvarez description, which we're going to read in a moment, is pretty, you know, it, it, like I said, it's pretty kind of mind-boggling. <laughs> um, November 12, 2012, we're uh, observer, and then we'll get to the figure four weekly, but uh, Tokyo Monster Kahagas won the NWA World Heavyweight title in a nine-way elimination match for the NWA dog promotion on November 2nd in Clayton, New Jersey at the high school gym before 220 fans. Kahagas was not even announced in the original eight way. It came down to him pinning Damian Wayne. Others in the match were uh, Lance Onaway, Lance Erickson, Jason Kincaid, Papa Don, Chance Prophet, and Biggie Biggs. Um, so Kahagas out of nowhere, <laughs> you know, in this match is the NWA champion. You know, Nothing against Kahagas. I don't really know the guy. I've never worked with the guy. But when you have Adam Pierce and you have Colt Cabana and you decide, no, we're not going to go with them. We're going to go with this guy who's, you know, at that point, a pretty regional wrestler, I imagine. Um, So you're looking at his career. So we're in 2012 here. And just kind of want to see what he did before. Uh, Seth was trained, actually, by Hector Guerrero, Prince Ayakea, Tom Horn, and Tyree Pride. 
I didn't know Prince Ikea trained people. <laughs> I had no idea. It's on cage match. It has to be true. Well, it, it may not be true. <laughs> that is true. Um, some full impact pros, NWA affiliates, IW Mid-South uh, um, shows up here a couple times. Uh, but probably being NWA champion at that time was probably definitely the biggest thing he did. Uh, you know, I don't see any uh, WWE extra work. Ring of Honor in 2004, probably a Florida shot because he was doing full impact pro. Um, yeah, back then, if you were doing full impact, you probably were going to get some job spots with Ring of Honor. Yeah, but I mean, and, and here's the thing, no, nothing against Gahagas, uh, but when you just look at the difference uh, in star power, it was definitely a huge drop-off, and it's just a very interesting and questionable decision from the NWA. And uh, now we go to really the meat and potatoes of the situation, and it's in the figure four weekly from Brian Alvarez. From speaking to close sources, I'm sorry, speaking to sources close to Adam Pierce and Cole Cabana, the situation with the NWA heavyweight title goes something like this. Several months ago, Bruce Tharp was essentially awarded control of the National Wrestling Alliance following a lawsuit against the organization regarding insurance fraud. Because of the changes in the business structure of the organization and internal politics, a number of different promotions, including Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, either pulled out or were forced out of the NWA. Championship Wrestling from Hollywood was the home NWA promotion of both, of both Pierce and Cabana. They put together a two-year feud and a final best-of-seven series months before this went down and was set to culminate with Cabana, the babyface, winning the NWA title in the final bout. When the ownership situation changed, Fred Rubenstein and Chris Lonquilo, who apparently does most of the hands-on work with the new company, apparently decided they no longer wanted to work with Cabana. The NWA side claimed that Cabana wouldn't commit to dates as champion for various NWA promotions. Cabana allegedly told them he was already booked solid through early 2013 and did what any other full-timer of pro wrestling should do. He asked them for, to get him dates as soon as possible. As they went back and forth, they allegedly uh, concluded that Cabana didn't value the opportunity of being NWA champion and thus not going to be their guy. This put Pierce and Cabana in a weird position as they made the seven-match series with plans of a finish that now appeared was not going to be approved by the NWA. There was a belief that the whole issue was political in nature and that there's a thought that the new NWA wanted nothing to do with Dave Marquez of NWA Hollywood or anyone he associated with, and they were both very close to him. In fact, it, it was Marquez's TV show where the feud started on. One source said Tharp didn't like Marquez because Marquez didn't vote to have Tharp take over the brand before the lawsuit went down. Things continued to fall apart when Pierce was allegedly asked out of the blue to drop the NWA title to Damian Wayne the first week of October. Pierce was upset because the NWA reportedly knew he was booked solid as champion to a number of different promotions through the first week of November. He allegedly told them that he dropped the title provided they sent him the money to reimburse all the promoters who had pro been promised Pierce's NWA champion through early November for the booking, flights, advertising costs, etc. This obviously wasn't going to happen. He was then still adamant that if Cabana didn't win the title in the final match of the Seven Levels of Hate, that the Pierce-Cabana feud that had spanned 18 months, at least two continents, plus TV in two different NWA markets, and Pierce allegedly said there was no way in the final match of the series that he, the heel, was going to beat the babyface, particularly in a cage match. He told them that Cabana was going to win, and if they didn't want the belt to switch, then they could unsanction it and take the title out of the equation. With the issue settled, 
the NWA tried to hammer out a date for him to drop the title to Wayne. November 9th and December 14th in Houston were proposed, but Pierce wasn't available for November and was waiting on arrangements for bookings in December. They told him to figure it out by October 27th, or he'd have to step down as champion. Since the stipulations were already that if he lost the seven levels of hate, that he'd leave the NWA, <coughs> which apparently was planned all along for a way of a cooling off period for his character since he visited a lot of NWA promotions several times over, he agreed. The cage match was October 26th in Melbourne, Australia, and he wasn't able to get the December arrangements settled by then. So he sent the NWA a written statement stepping down. Sources indicate that the NWA was happy with the buzz around the brand after the Pierce Cabana match and post match in Australia. What happened was, <coughs> sorry, Cabana won the match. Pierce cut a promo about the match being non title, and he was very proud of Cabana as far as he was concerned. Colt was the champion. He handed him the belt. Colt then cut a promo saying the NWA title was the past, and he was all about paving his own do it yourself underground movement future. The NWA, he said, represented the past and they didn't want and they didn't want to move forward idiots the board he said was filled with stupidity idiots who knew nothing about the future and they were people he wanted nothing to do with i beat you in the series he told pierce i played by your rules and i visited every town you booked and i saw these towns that didn't care about some stupid letters they cared about the pro wrestlers they cared about the future they cared about pro wrestler colt cabana and pro wrestler adam pierce he said he accepted that he won the title and he won the feud, but he wasn't accepting the physical belt. He handed it back to Pierce. Well, if you don't accept it, I don't accept it either, said Pierce. He said the NWA robbed Colt. They robbed all the fans. And worst of all, they robbed themselves, one of the finest NWA champions who ever lived. Pierce then, as the series stipulations called for, said he was stepping down as champion and leaving the NWA. I wish you the best in your future endeavors, he said. Apparently, there is even more to the story, as Pierce and Cabana are reportedly going to put together a documentary detailing the entire feud and aftermath. Cabana, as it noted, was promised a year-long NWA title run twice. The first time it ended prematurely, when whatever happened with the Sheik, we still don't know what happened, presumably it'll be addressed in a documentary, but we don't know for certain. Uh, then he was supposed to get a long run after the winning the title from Pierce, and the new board came in and nixed all of that. It was noted to me this week that Cabana has name recognition, the work ethic and ability, and the goodwill with promoters that have been great representative as champion, and it's a shame that it all went down the way it did. So, lots of, lots to dig in here, lots to dive in. Um, first off, uh, the Best of Seven series, uh, there is, that documentary is out, and uh want to thank Adam Pierce. He actually uh, stumbled upon us discussing part two on social media about this episode, and he, he uh you know, he uh, tweeted it, and then he also brought up the documentary, which is which is available, and I, it might even be available on YouTube. But uh, check it out, uh, Seven Levels of Hate. If you actually just uh, shoot it uh, on Google, it'll tell you where to find it. Uh, really good documentary, and you kind of get to know even more of the story that we're talking about here. But anyway, so let's first talk about because the, there's so much to, to, to get into this the, the, this big diatribe here. Um, Cole Cabana, right? They got mad at him because he couldn't promise dates. But how long did they wait well, to also, try to book him? You gotta remember, this is probably art of wrestling, right? So this is this is promotions want to book him just because he's doing the promos on YouTube. Oh yeah, hey, I'm gonna be at this town and this town. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Um, but also, I I might 
go the other way and say this the best of seven series was planned out pretty much 18 months in advance they knew colt was going to go over why didn't colt have those dates opened up on his schedule knowing that it was going to go this way knowing that he was going to be the champion and he needed to leave dates open for the nwa to book him out yeah but why would you leave those dates open if you knew okay so yes but 18 months ahead of time i'm sure he's not really booking a lot of the small shots that he normally i'm sure he's normal places he's maybe talking about 18 months out but i'm sure like the, the the little spots here and there he figures, you know, those come and those usually come a year out, six months out, all that. This makes me think that he, what he did was he probably gave them six months notice and say, hey, uh, you know, f- give me for dates. And we're talking about the title. And that six month time period was when the switchover happened. And probably it was the last thing on Tharp's mind. No, yeah, okay. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I could. I can see that. So basically, he put it out to the NWA. Hey, uh, I'm supposed to be winning this. Let's get some dates set up. And if he heard nothing, he's going to take what the dates are come going to come in because he's going to get his calendar filled up. Okay, yeah. I can. Well, so we know I how pro wrestling that. is. We, you know, it, it's set in there whether it's accurate or not. Alvarez says that that uh, Ronquillo and Rubenstein didn't like Cabana. What could have happened here was they knew that if they waited a while and they said, oh, hey, Colt, yeah, we're going to need you for these dates, knowing that he would have already booked them up. And then he did, they don't look like the bad guy. He does. Yeah. <laughs> like Knowing wrestling, that scenario could have absolutely happened. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely can happen. Um, <laughs> so that's that part. Uh, the The actual title and you know they decide because of that and then pierce so the one thing i'm a little confused out reading that with alvarez and maybe you can get some clarification here ash so pierce was adamant of being nwa champion to finish his dates at a promised nwa champion but those were into early november but he also had plans to drop the belt to gabana in october <laughs> at late october so I don't know if it that was something that, you know, maybe Alvarez kind of lost it in connection, or maybe Pierce was like, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to drop the title, but these, I still have, you know, I'm going to have the belt, and I, I don't know. That, oh, no? that threw me off a little bit. It could have just been one of those things of protecting kayfabe, that he knew he was dropping the belt, but he was still going to commit to a certain amount of dates. He promised them NWA champion Adam Pierce so they could throw it on a flyer. Yeah, but still, Adam Pierce is going to work those shows. They're not going to do, not going to do what they did previous decades, where the champion loses the belt and then the new champion just picks up all those dates. Like if I was running a Fed and I booked Adam Pierce and the title changed hands a week out. I'm not changing all my flyers and changing all my advertising and change, changing all my card to book Cole Cabana over Adam Pierce. That might just be my feeling of how wrestling is now in 2021 that nice to have a champion, but it's more about the talent than the belt, in my opinion. 
Well, it's different rates. It's different travel, trans. I mean, guys don't all come from the same place. Guys and girls, they, they, they oh, you know what that, I mean? Like that, that too. How many promoters went to Adam <laughs> Pearson and told him that they're not going to pay him his their agreed upon rate because he's no longer the champ? That could be too. Another point that I want to bring up, and we recorded this the first time last night. I didn't bring it up, but it has to be brought up here. They asked Pierce reportedly, allegedly, you say, they asked Pierce to drop the title to Damian Wayne. But yet when they decide to make the belt vacant, they don't give it to Damian Wayne. <laughs> I, I I don't understand. They proposed a couple dates to him. They're like, oh, we're going to do the Houston, this and that. And, you know, Pierce, you know, told him, hey, I'm booked for this. And I... And I, I like up here, like, ah, I don't have my December settled down yet, because <laughs> I think he knew he didn't want yeah, it to go this way. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm guessing maybe because the news got out beforehand in the dirt sheets that they're going to put the bound on Damian Wayne, so they didn't want to. Maybe but they who's told. going to be like, oh yeah, I knew. <laughs> Damn Meltzer. And Damian Wayne, still, from my knowledge, still working uh, in the Mid-Atlantic area, really great worker. Um, and honestly, I probably would prefer him over Cahagas because he was at least working a lot of those NWA promotions. I mean, Cahagas working some, but I don't know. D- Damian Wayne, you know, he's definitely one of those well-traveled journeymen uh, who kind of never really got a shot, but really good worker. Yeah, um, I think he's been working like close to 20 years. Really didn't. Yeah. Let me let me look up. Yeah, he, he's had some WWE tryout matches, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor Run, FIP. But, yeah, pretty much didn't really break out. And he's a guy, too, that both NWA regimes liked because he was in that world title tournament that we talked about in the first episode. Yeah. So he he's a guy that that, that both NWAs were a fan of uh, as far as the Trollbitch NWA and the, the Tharp NWA. Um, so the, the the next point here, so uh, w- w- with all this craziness – is then they they don't put the belt on Damian Wayne. They vacate it. They 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 somehow make it an eight way. They they put Kahagas in. But Elvers makes another point too that they liked the publicity they got. But really, it's all bad publicity. And this is kind of what you <laughs> alluded to earlier. This doesn't look good on the NWA that both of these guys are cutting promos on how they're big. That the NWA means nothing. Yeah. Pierce says, hey, this, no, you know what? If you don't want the title, I don't want the title. And Cabana's like, you know what? This isn't the future. This underground move is the future. Cole Cabana was right on the money for that. And you know what? And we're, you know, the NWA nowadays is part of that future movement, but the NWA then did not become part of that. And what he's talking about is what we have now. Me and you are doing a podcast because of this great wrestling underground movement, you know, on independent wrestling. Independent wrestling has absolutely blown up from 2012 to 2021 oh yeah and uh you know we'll talk about a little bit later when it comes to like touring champions and whatnot but he was right you know and 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 quite honestly at the end of the day how many people were going to that show to see adam pierce versus cole cabana because it was for the nwa title or were they just going to see adam pierce versus cole cabana yeah that's a that's a good question and as yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just saying, we, we talked about this in the Dal Gagner AWA episode. You know, Dal hung on to the AWA name as long as he possibly could, but for what? 
it wasn't a draw anymore. It just wasn't. Or, or at least, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and it's just my opinion, because I don't want to get another email on Christmas Eve from illustrious Johnny Stewart. <laughs> I wanted to set the record straight. Um, but just in my opinion, it, it, it wasn't worth it. And at this time, was the NWA brand really that worth it? And you know what? I think Cole Cabana thought about it, and probably when they were like, ah, oh, we don't want to really want you to be champion, he probably didn't push the issue. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. A lot of people realizing NWA name isn't worth the headache. Um, this was around the same time I was working for an NWA fed here in Western New York. And uh, um, I was privy to some information uh, during the Bruce Tharp regime. Now, I'll preface this by saying, allegedly, like, I don't know if he sent this to every promoter or if it was just select promoters. But from what my understanding was, all the affiliates at the time got this. There were a lot more requirements coming in um, about or from the NWA, from Bruce Tharp. Um, certain things, from what I understand, like if you were printing merchandise, if you were an NWA affiliate and you printed any merchandise with the NWA logo on it, you couldn't use your own print shop anymore, your own T-shirt guy. You had to go through Bruce Tharp's approved print shop. Not saying he owned a print shop, but someone that he personally approved. Um, all referees had to own one of those blue NWA official ref shirts. Um, they at least said that. I never did. I. <laughs> it was brought up to me that I needed to pay $50 for a ref shirt. And I, at that point, I was halfway checked out of that company anyways and just said, I'll just go home. And I was told, no, no, don't worry about it. Um, I know that there were emails sent out. I don't know if it was from Tharp himself or from other people in the office, Fred Rubenstein maybe, but uh, there were emails going out to NWA affiliates asking for them to send, for the affiliates to send the office all the contact info for all of their local venues, uh, their sponsorships, um, send them their financials, like what their draws are, uh, who's their top stars, why are they the top stars, aka like, are they over, ticket selling, whatever. And basically just sending all of your personal financial information to the NWA. And from my understanding on that, from, again, from hearing from other people within the NWA at that time, that was designed that way so if the nwa wanted to take your territory away because they felt like you weren't running a fed a promotion that was up to their standards they had all the ability to do that as per their contract now again i'm not saying that was all bruce tharp i'm just saying what came down the pipeline during this era here and it also coincided Coincided, obviously, with Marquez leaving and a lot of other promotions leaving. The NWA promotion that was working for us shortly left the NWA, mostly because of that. And they didn't miss a beat. It wasn't, they weren't hurting. It was, they just dropped the NWA from their name and no one really cared. So it kind of goes with the same thing you said about, about that with the AWA. Just, they're just initials. No, no one really cared. If we look at the two different regimes and how they approached NWA membership 
it seemed like under Trobich, they were really honestly willing to take anybody. Anybody that paid that fee, they were they were good to go. You're an NWA affiliate. You know, oh, I mean, so much that he was trying to give Ric Flair 50 of these promotions <laughs> to show up as. Yeah, they couldn't afford that. I, but, and then it seems... Most of them probably weren't even paying most of their talent. <laughs> it seems for Tharp, is like very selective. Maybe most of it's political. Yeah, I don't know. From this reading, it seems like, um, you know, just you know, opinion based. We have to be very, very technical here. I want to go, but uh, you know, it seemed like he wanted to be very selective as far as what he want, who he wanted to be affiliate, and then he maybe you know was kind of tougher on people that were borderline affiliate that maybe he doesn't know he wanted affiliate, or maybe just tougher to see. Hey, if you follow my rules and I want you in my NWA. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think I think he just had higher standards he wanted for the NWA. I'm not going to say it was a bad idea. Um, nothing like, nothing. I just said about like what went down with affiliates. I'm not disagreeing with anything because yeah, there were a lot of subpar NWA affiliates during that time, during the 2000s. Um, a lot of them booking subpar workers, drawing subpar crowds. I can understand if Tharp wanted to clean that up a little bit. I don't know if he did it the right way or if he did it the the, the best way. But, yeah, I don't blame him for trying to clean up and raise the standard of the NWA. All right, and... Uh... You know, those are kind of wondering what's what's going on here as far as the NWA title. You know, Cog is still champion in this timeline, but uh, uh, the Kings of the Underground, Ryan Genesis and Scott Summers were tag team champions kind of during this period, or at least from December 15, 2012 to April 20, 2013. But uh, back to the Observer as we enter 2013, January 14th, the NWA is looking to produce a television show. It may be distributed on the internet instead of TV. So we have to remember in 2021, it's probably way more beneficial to maybe put your show on fight IWTV YouTube than it is to maybe go with the local low, you know, band affiliate, you know, in your, in your public access or wherever it may be, or the cable access in your uh, city or region. But in 2013, internet streaming was still in, in, um, for lack of a better term, infancy. I mean, it was out there, but like you, your powerhouses weren't powerhouses yet. Like Netflix wasn't a powerhouse yet. I, Hulu, I think Hulu was around, but it still wasn't a powerhouse yet. Um, and, and others. So streaming was still kind of this fairly new idea and to put wrestling on it. I mean, the network pops up in 2014. So we're still a year and, you know, three months before the WWE network. So what this idea of streaming on the internet, probably not a good move in 2013, you know, because you didn't have, it was just, okay, you throw it up on your website, but how are you driving attention there? How are you getting advertising there? How is it becoming good for your product? Um, and in 2013, they, they should have been going for some type of television, television deal. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, yeah, Netflix Netflix just started streaming. I think they were just transitioning from DVDs to streaming at that time. Hulu really wasn't a big thing at that time. Um, 
YouTube was. I know like Beyond just started on YouTube, so they were starting to get attention. But that was also during the time like there really wasn't a revenue stream to come from YouTube. So there really wasn't anything like you could put it on your website, then you're hosting it, then you're paying for you're paying for the website, you're paying for hosting, you're paying paying for bandwidth. That's a lot of a lot of costs for a very little reward. Um, you definitely wanted to be on TV. Even even today, when you look at when AEW does when they run dark, when they run dark elevation, or even when they did the AEW buy-in uh, with Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson and Minoru Suzuki a few weeks ago, that got maybe a hundred thousand views. You, Mister WrestleNomics, would know better than me, but I think it was like eighty thousand to a hundred thousand. It was eighty to ninety thousand. Uh, during the showing, and then uh, I think over the weekend, it ended up being like 400,000, and it grew, grew, grew. Yeah, and I'm sure it's still growing, but it's more of, like, you look at that, that's even 2021, that's what you get for streaming, when Dynamite on TV will get a million viewers. Just for some reason, like, TV still, even though more people, more people in the U.S., more people on the planet, have access to the internet that have access to TNT and USA network, but you still get more people watching on TV. So like it's TV still the number one priority now. And especially back then. So, you know, I, I talked here, uh, you know, about, you know, some questionable decisions with the NWA not wanting to have Cole Cabana as a champion, getting rid of Dave Marquez, dropping some affiliates, going for internet over tv but i think where i think maybe they turn the corner a little bit as far as a positive decision uh march 12 2013 bruce darp the president of the current version of the nwa cut a promo and announced he was bringing a wrestler to the april 7th sumo hall pay-per-view show saying he would bring an american to beat a japanese star like luthez beat ricky dozan which actually didn't happen in japan either <laughs> that part's funny but um this relationship which we have a lot of notes on here. This NWA New Japan pro wrestling relationship begins and probably one of the first signs of, wow, this maybe this Bruce Darp NWA is, is cool. Yeah. Uh, you have now Bruce Darp working out a deal with New Japan, which really isn't something that the previous regime did. The previous regime was more involved in their in their own thing and just testing like getting their feet wet with ring of honor but nothing as big as just the full-blown agreements working arrangement with new japan as we are going to get into here in the notes and we have to remember that this is you know not the new japan you know today um or especially not the new japan during their real big period in 15 16 17 and 18 this is New Japan right before that. So yeah, they're going to be there. And a lot of the major players that made New Japan what it is today are there or about to be there, but it's still on the cusp of, of blowing up. So it's a good partnership for the NWA, but it's there. It's not like they're landing New Japan pro wrestling. Uh, the one we know where Okada and Omega are wrestling in the Tokyo, and it's a lot of Tokyo Dome. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, and as as we go on, like the NWA World Title isn't actually the main event either of of these New Japan shows. It was prominent on the shows, but it wasn't like the main focus. But still, the, just the fact of it being involved with New Japan is very noteworthy. And we had an NWA World Title change here in 2013, March 16th, when Rob Conway defeated Cahagas in San Antonio, Texas to become the champion. So Rob Conway, um, one, I agree that this was another good decision by the NWA. Here's a guy who kind of was on a redemption run, um, you know, was in WWE. He's got that, that pedigree. Hey, he's a WWE star, but I'm sure he probably didn't like how it ended, you know, uh, how his run ended, you know, and uh, it's kind of a redemption run showing that he can actually be a great wrestler and be a world champion somewhere. And uh, I like the move of putting the belt on Rob Conway. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he had a 50-50 chance of it working. Um, Conway was someone that was had a large pedigree. Uh, Cornette always put him over in OVW. He was one of the best in OVW during that time, and I think WWE just squandered it like WWE normally does, especially in the early 2000s with OVW talent. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a redemption story for him here. Is, uh, he had a chance to break away from his the stigma of being a WWE low-card wrestler. And Just look at him. Again. Yeah. Hey, out of sight to see when the whole world wants to look like me, but they just don't. I mean, it, it's very similar to what's going on with Matt Cardona right now. Cardona is the same thing. Like, he he was over. He always got stuck in weird, weird situations that always held him down, and he's breaking out and proving right now that he's a top star. You know who might be the most obscure example of this? Johnny Swinger. <laughs> Johnny Swinger for years in multiple promotions. Didn't really get the like be you know just have free reign and really make something out of himself and here he is having the run of his life like, oh, yeah. at, at his age like it's 25 years i i love the johnny swinger stuff you know uh they said it a couple episodes ago they said omg and he goes well the one man gang's coming how much do you want for trans like that type of stuff that type of stuff cracks me up it's amazing but anyways <laughs> The, the Johnny Swinger podcast coming soon to the network. Um, uh, oh, I we're just love, we discovered the Indies on <laughs> we discovered the Indies episode on uh, Johnny Swinger would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that'd be a lot of fun. But uh, no, so yeah, so yeah, I like I said, uh, here's a guy with a little pedigree, but he, you know, he wants to go out there. He wants to have you know long good matches and and be a uh you know an nwa heavyweight champion he wants to put the brand on his shoulders it seemed like um so april 1st 2013 from the observer uh nwa president bruce darp sent in a video interview playing heel outside promoter he said the nwa was bringing the best wrestler in the world their world champion rob conway to japan and he issued an open challenge the fans kind of laughed at the tape kojima came out and did an interview accepting the challenge so this audience in New Japan probably know Rob Conway being what we just talked about. Just look at me and losing on Sunday Night Heat. 
you know, there's the infamous Conway pop that the internet wrestling community <laughs> talks about. And the just la- the the laugh at the tape is very interesting. Um, you know, so I think it's a good move, but then going over there and say, hey, he's the best wrestler in the world. I'm like, oh, that's just Rob Conway. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he lost to Stevie Richards last week on Heat. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's also double double edged sword with that, especially in Japan where they do look at that seriously with wins and losses. So you do run into that issue. Uh, so, uh, going to April 15th, 2013, the NWA Invasion Attack pay-per-view on April 7th at Tokyo Sumo Hall. Rob Conway pinned Satoshi Kojima to retain the NWA title in 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Conway was accompanied by a big bodyguard who was Jack Stane, an independent wrestler who works on NWA shows in Texas. He's six foot four, 285 pounds, and called the Vanilla Godzilla. The NWA president, Bruce Dart, was shown at ringside. A few fans booed. A few fans clapped. Although facially, he was trying to do the heel American businessman. Crowd was booing Conway. They had a good match, and it was mostly hard uh, chops to where both guys' chests were beating raw. Kojima did all this trademark stuff. Kojima got a near fall with a brain buster and another with a diamond cutter where he was on in the middle of the rope and used it and used it to take Conway off the top. Dane at one time pulled Kojima out of the ring and punched him. Kojima made a comeback with a rabbit lariat and a lariat that went for the pin. As Rafa Masaru Hattori went for the count, Dane pulled Hattori out of the ring. The crowd had been wanting Tenzan to go after Dane, and finally he did. But Dane laid out Tenzan, and then Kojima then nailed Dane with a lariat. But Conway capitalized on the distraction to hit the ego trip with its draping Kojima on the top rope and using a spinning vertical suplex. I've got to think Conway will be back after this. Uh, I can't see New Japan bringing the NWA title unless someone in their company gets it three and a quarter stars. He would be wrong about the NWA title thing, which we're going to talk about, but um, oh, this is, there's a lot going on here in yeah. this match. Not your traditional NWA style match. This is Bruce Starp's NWA. Yeah. Multiple distractions, multiple people on the outside. Yeah, referee distraction, just a lot of a lot of a lot of shady stuff going on, which wasn't really the norm for NBA title matches traditionally, and really wasn't something for New Japan at that point either. And I I know like we'd mentioned earlier, Jack Stain. So you have Jack Stain in there who uh big guy, obviously Bruce Tharp pitcher's wagon to him uh a guy that really didn't do too much uh before or since i mean he did do a little bit of impact ovw after that but he's a guy that really he's a current a NWA guy. yeah he's still there he's in the mix yeah um i i, I mean i like jack stain uh good luck you know good worker uh I think what he's doing in the NWA is fine right now. I, I think it's good, but at that I'm not, point, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that yeah. he never. He's he's the type of guy that really he's been at that NWA level. He really never broke out into like a WWE developmental, even though he's like six four. He's seems like what WWE would want, and they never really, never really bid on that. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. And he, but you could tell he was the guy that they were putting eggs in his basket. Like they were like, okay, we like this guy. You know, we're going to have the champion 
dust rub off him, you know, and have him with the champion and have him in these high profile uh, matches in New Japan and hope that it, you know, uh, becomes, you know, something special. So, I mean, I like that they kind of just took a guy saying, you got Rob Conway, you got a guy who has a WWE pedigree, but then you're going to help him build a guy who you're just bringing out of nowhere to be like a homegrown talent. And I know, like, Eric Bischoff always says he hates the word homegrown because it's not vegetables. I like it. The homegrown talents. You're vegan. You have to love it. Yeah, of course. I have a lot of homegrown stuff uh, on my property here. Um, but, yeah, so uh, definitely interesting. Uh, you got Kojima involved here. Tenzon's involved. These are pretty prolific names in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Kojima's still wrestling. He was on AEW like recently, uh, as well as Impact, actually. Um, so uh kind of a big deal that they're they're kind of getting involved with these type of names in, in New Japan. Um, June 3rd, 2013, NWA champion Rob Conway and NWA president Bruce Starp did a video interview that played on the May 24th Corgan Hall show talking about returning, which will probably be the June 22nd pay-per-view show. And uh, we'll get into that pay-per-view show, but before wanting get you know we get into that, I, you, we were talking about this relationship that New Japan Pro Wrestling and NWA are having, and it expands further than this world title feud. Uh, the Killer Elite Squad, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, who were primarily New Japan Pro Wrestling talents at the time, became the NWA champions uh, in Houston, beating uh, Ryan Genesis and Scott Summers. So you could tell this relationship is more than just one feud. It's something they're really trying to build on. And also, too, I know Lance Archer, probably Texas native. So when he's not on tours in New Japan, very easy to be uh, for him to be there. And Davey Boy Smith, I'm sure, wasn't that hard either. Davey Boy Smith Jr. So, yeah, yeah, it, there were easy uh, New Japan talent for the NWR to bring in since they are Americans and, well, uh, from North America. And, uh, there be over here on a regular basis all right so uh july 1st 2013 new japan pro wrestling dominion this is still from the observer uh new japan pro wrestling dominion on june 22nd at the osaka furutsu gym rob conway retained the nwa title pinning manubu nakanishi in eight minutes and 32 seconds conway did a good job here nakanishi really can't do much of a singles match due to all his injuries but Conway carried it to be really better than it could have been expected. Nakanishi did a placha, and the crowd went crazy for it. The finish on Nakanishi hit a German suplex. Then he went to the top rope, seemingly a, for a moonsault. But Bruce Tharp, the NWA president from Texas, sort of plays the heel foreign promotional head in a terribly campy way, jumped on the ring apron to distract Nakanishi. Conway snapped his neck on the top rope and rammed his head into the metal turnbuckle before getting the pin after the ego trip one and three quarter stars. I, I, I kind of, you know, kind of look at this and you know me, I, I kind of like campiness in wrestling. I kind of like the idea of like this, like American businessman. I imagine he wore a cowboy hat because he's from Texas. And he's just like, <laughs> no, did you ever see what he wore? I, you know uh, what? I have not. I, th- I think I, I have a look this up here. Bright. Just uh, Google image Bruce Tharp wrestling. And just look at some of the pictures. Uh, usually smoking jackets. Usually bright, 
There's one oh, that's yeah. right silver. Do you see one with uh, Dave Penzer there? <laughs> <Where> <laughs> I, I do. I kind of like it. Is another one of these wearing gold. I mean, a cowboy yeah, hat would I, would help, but yeah, very like, shiny jackets. Yeah, very shiny. There's there's also one where he's like doing a like a scream that kind of looks like he 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 kind of looks like a, a Bruce Buffer scream. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, well, so so I had in my mind a Tennessee lead type gimmick, but in reality, he was luscious Johnny Valentine. <laughs> Or John, I'm sorry, uh, Johnny Valiant. I was, uh, but yeah, it, he was he was Valiant, uh, and not uh, not 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 good old Colonel Colonel uh, Parker there. So, all right, uh, moving on here uh, to August fifth, two thousand thirteen. Besides Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzan, New Japan is also sending Co Booker Gato and Takahawa Watanabe for to Texas. I'm sorry for NWA shows on October 18th in Houston and October 19th in San Antonio. Uh, and those shows did actually happen and they yes, were there. And, and I want to talk about them in a second. We'll, we'll talk about the next note. And then I want to circle back to those and kind of talk about the, in, the interesting concept of, of bringing all these new Japan talent over. But October 7, 2013 from the observer, new Japan's destruction pay-per-view on September 29th, Rob Conley retained the NWA heavyweight title, pitting Jushin Liger in 8 minutes and 16 seconds. So weird that the NWA title that was always a major main event with Lou Fez, Dory Funk Jr., Jack Briscoe, Harley Race, and Ric Flair is now a preliminary title. Conley continued his run through the post-40 New Japan stars. Obviously, he's got to lose it to someone in Japan at some point. Conley was really trying as a heel. Basic stuff, including Liger getting near falls with a powerbomb, a splash off the top rope, and a brain buster. The finish saw Bruce Tharp, the NWA president and manager of Conway, jump on the apron. Liger shoved him to the floor, but that allowed Conway to nail Liger with a clothesline from behind and pinned him with the ego trip. Two and a quarter stars from Meltzer. Um, so, first off, Liger. Would have been a cool idea for New Japan. I'm sorry, a cool idea for an NWA chain. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, would have been good to put that on, put the belt on him to have his name associated with the NWA just because he's such a recognizable name. And when you when you look at American wrestling, American wrestling fans, you mention, you ask American wrestling fans, name a Japanese superstar. Notwithstanding like the current generation, but I'm talking about like 90s, 2000s, they're all... It's a short list, and Liger is one of the names on that list. Every American wrestling fan, especially indie fans, know Jushin Thunder Liger. So putting the belt on him would have gave it instant credibility. Now, this this Texas idea, which, uh, you know, they're doing these shows in Texas and bringing over uh, talent uh, such as Kojima and Tanzan and Gato and Watanabe. This is something that we really saw become a very prevalent thing as the as the decade ended out from, you know, as the years gone on. And nowadays, it's a huge thing where 
this past year, and, and we, we talked about it on my other podcast, WrestleNomics, New Japan Pro Wrestling had a very interesting financial year because they didn't really run a lot of shows. And it was, you know, they took a, the country of Japan took a lot of COVID precautions. But one thing you did see this year, and you've seen it in the past, as we talked about, but was there were so many New Japan Pro Wrestling talents in the United States this year doing and still right now doing shows all over for various independent promotions. Minoru Suzuki is the best that comes to mind for the last two months. He's been wrestling every single weekend in top independent promotions all throughout the country on top of impact and AEW as well. That concept of bringing over these guys like Kojima and and Gato and all that really good idea by the NWA, but we'll kind of talk about it where it was a little bit of a difference and we'll talk about there, but uh, in a little bit uh, with the notes, but seeing how popular it is now, and maybe this is because this is right before the big new Japan boom, but do you think that's an idea that should have been done more in this time period, bringing more of these new Japan pro wrestling talents over? I mean, it's such a common thing now. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, ring of honor was doing it. Um, they would do border wars. They do, uh, they would have shows, double shots, triple shots, where they would bring over the New Japan talent and run New York, Philly, Toronto, and uh, they would draw on those shows. So I think, like, it done right, it would have worked. Now, running Houston and San Antonio with them, that's... Uh, I mean, I know NWA's ru- or uh, New Japan is running Texas now. New Japan, yeah, the New Japan NWA strong Japan roster, strong in Texas. Yeah, in Dallas, so like, yeah. and they so they're they were doing, doing that. New Japan USA. That was Texas. As yeah, well. yeah. But they can do that now, just because it's a different indie scene. But back then, I I don't know if Texas was the right area to be bringing in New Japan stars. Again, I think it it's something where. You're running Philly, you're running New York City, you're running Toronto, even Chicago, L.A., definitely. Like, you run the big markets, you're, you're going to draw better than you would in middle of America. That is true, and, and I want to touch about that in a little bit uh, with the next note, next couple notes that we talk about here. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it, kind of a bold move. You, you want to bring these guys over for these shows, uh, and then uh, we'll get into the – the, the kind of meat and potatoes of this year, October 28, 2013, from the Observer. Uh, Bushi Road president Takai Kandani uh, was in Texas for the two NWA shows that some of the talent worked, which included a tryout session. The impression I was given was that none of the wrestlers are going to be signed from the session. It was pushed as a seminar, but none of the New Japan guys even got in the ring with the talent. I was told if you went as a seminar, you got a little out of it, but if you went as a tryout, you got the tryout, but nobody was picked. Probably the biggest name was Micah Taylor, a longtime WWE developmental wrestler. Bruce Tharp, the NWA president, was pushing New Japan on ideas to do business. One of his ideas was to do New Japan shows in Texas on iPay-Per-View to air in Japan. To me, the last thing New Japan wants to do is add iPay-Per-Views before 500 fans in the U.S. when they were doing one big show a month and smaller shows as well already. I think the idea behind it was that NWA guys would appear on the shows against Japanese talent and they could shoot angles in the U.S. to bring in new foreigners who mean something. Now, David Marquez, the promoter of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and formerly a major player in the NWA, 
is putting together a group called the United Wrestling Network. It's similar to the NWA in sense it will be a national organization with promoters around the country who will recognize one touring champion called the United Champion. Marquez was one of many who left the NWA after the power base change from Bob Trowbridge to Bruce Darp after the lawsuit. Unlike the NWA, there will be no membership fee. The only way to be a member is to have some local television. Besides Marquez's promotion, others announced as charter members are Ultra Championship Wrestling in Utah, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, Future Stars of Wrestling in Las Vegas, Metro Championship Wrestling in Kansas City, Traditional Championship Wrestling in Texas and Arkansas. They're also working with West Coast Wrestling Connection in Oregon and New York Wrestling Connection in Long Island and New York, I'm sorry, New England Championship Wrestling in Massachusetts, who they will try and help get television in 2014. However, Metro Championship Wrestling has not had television in a few months and has shut down based on the last word we have gotten. Um, want to kind of talk about the united wrestling network and want to circle back to that seminar stuff but uh united wrestling network first off a lot of former nwa affiliates on this new england championship wrestling metro championship wrestling of course championship wrestling from hollywood arizona there's a lot of former nwa affiliate center and then some new ones coming into fruition pretty interesting uh you know and it's kind of smart it's like hey we knew Marquez did great things. We want to be in business with him since we don't want to be in business with Bruce Starr. United Wrestling Network, still con- still a concept. I mean, there still is board promotions. Mostly it seems to be, you know, Marquez running it separate of NWA Wrestling. I'm, I'm sorry, separate championship wrestling from Hollywood, but still LinkedIn. I know they 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 did those iPay-per-views uh, last year that it went really well. You saw Mike Bennett, Chris Dickinson, and others. And naturally, uh, you know, I believe I could be wrong, but I think Chris Dickinson is their current champion. But yeah, United Wrestling Network, another thing that still has longevity. Yeah, uh, I remember when it started, a company we worked for in uh, downstate New York called Excite Wrestling. Uh, They were a member of it for a little while. Actually, they're still a member um, because there's no membership fee, so you don't really get kicked out. Um, But yeah, it's very similar to the NWA, obviously no membership fee. Uh, I think it kind of took a back seat for a little while while Dave Marquez returned to the NWA to do the NWA, the Billy Corgan Atlanta tapings, uh, came back after Marquez left the NWA again. Um, but it, yeah, it's still out there. It's still uh, coming along. It's obviously it's not the same as championship wrestling as franchise of that. That's something entirely different. So Marquez is kind of running two uh, affiliate networks right now at the same time. The the f- interesting thing I found here too is you must have local tele- local television. And th- th- I would talk about that was Marquez's strong suit was getting television in for promotions. And that kind of weeds out who you might think is a weak member. You have to have local television because I'm sure there's a lot of promotions. Ah, we don't need TV. We got DVDs. Uh, that's actually a good point. That might have been, that could have been uh, quality control without saying that I'm going to personally decide if your Fed is good enough to be a part of this. By saying you have to have TV shows that the Fed has to be good because they're investing money into TV. So, yeah, I guess that could be a runaround to run around to that. Speaking also, of like, runaround. The the feds oh, listed no i'm just saying the feds listed are actually all good feds that did have tv and qual- quality tv at that 
Speaking of runarounds, we have seen this locally. Not so much. I've seen it in Canada where a promotion or a promoter will promise something as almost a tryout, but it really <laughs> is a seminar. And it's just a way to make an extra buck on a show. And I think that's kind of what they did here. They promised all these American wrestlers, look, you're going to get a New Japan Pro Wrestling tryout and a seminar. But really, at the end of the day, it was probably just a seminar. Oh, um, so so you're saying the Brutal Bob seminars. <laughs> no, no. I Nothing is Brutal Bob. He's, Bob's a great guy. Bob Evans is a great guy. But I'm not saying he ever said this, but there's all there's been a lot of promotions in the last several years that have promoted him, promoted his seminars as Ring of Honor tryouts when when he was in Ring of Honor. Not again, not saying Bob pushed that or forced that on anyone, but it definitely a lot of promotions blurred the lines by booking him, uh, making their talent think that a seminar was also a tryout and it was just him uh there's promotions that booked guys like devon dudley when he worked for wb as ed claimed it was a wb tryout and uh booking guys like dilo brown and all these other guys that were associated with wwe or impact or AEW, and making their students and their talent believe that it's actually a tryout to get more people to sign up the thing though is you don't have to lie if you tell somebody that there is a seminar with somebody who's affiliated with a major promotion who has pulled to possibly get you a job people are going to show up i the billy gunn seminars nobody advertised it as aew tryouts but when billy gunn was named aew coach and he was doing AEW seminar people went to those seminars because billy gunn was an aew coach and and you don't have to deceive. I I know myself and um, a few others, uh, including a friend of the show, Vince Valor, there was a promoter in Canada who was promoting something as a Global Force Wrestling tryout. I can guarantee you that Jeff Jarrett had no idea that it was being promoted as a tryout and probably thought it was just a seminar that he was doing. But this promoter, at least maybe not on the flyer, but two workers were saying, oh, this is a global force tryout, man. You got got to come do it. It went all the way up to the ballpark brawls that tried to claim a Scott DeMore seminar was a TNA tryout. Like it goes, it's not just relegated to the shindies. That's, it's carny bullshit. It happens everywhere. It's. It really needs to stop. People need to call it out. And according to this report, it wasn't even much of a seminar either. No. You just gave your money. Here you go. I'm here. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to November 18, 2013. New Japan Pro Wrestling Road to Power struggle on November 6th. A weird match saw Rob Cowling and Jack Stane win the NWA tag titles and Davey Boy Smith jr and lance archer win the iwgp titles in a two-fall match they showed the footage from san antonio where this match was put together it was so dark and it just seemed below standards of what you would see on a major league television show bruce darf the nwa president came out waving the nwa flag and talking japanese 
He's a lot better than when he started. Dame is looking like a huge power lifter type, but Green Smith came out wearing a mask, which he does most of the time. Conway unmasked him. Uh, the first fall was for the NWA tag titles. Conway and Dane won in five minutes and 41 seconds. Kojima and Tenzan then did a double suplex on Dane and a 3D on Conway. Kojima set up the Larian on Conway, but Tharp distracted him jumping on the apron. Dane hit Kojima with a spear, and Conway used an ego trip on Kojima. The second fall opened with Smith Jr. and Archer hitting the killer bomb on Conway. Smith was back with his mask on. Dane then speared Smith. Tenzan hit the mountain bomb on Archer, but missed a diving headbutt. They tried the killer bomb on Tenzan, but Kojima saved him. But later, they did the killer bomb to Kojima, and then Tenzan and Archer, uh, and then the Tenzan, and then Archer pinned Tenzan in three minutes and two seconds with two and a quarter stars. A lot to happen in eight minutes. <laughs> um, the nonstop uh, action there. Uh, but so this is interesting. It's a nice way to maybe get the tag titles. I mean, you're working with New Japan, so you're like, hey, maybe we want to put the NWA titles back on guys that can be regulars for us and not guys that have to be on tours all the time. But then also kind of fuel that feud because it's those are guys that are still over there being heels, as well as now you're making Archer and Smith the New Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Champions, and you're involving Kojima and Tenzan, who are in the main angle of Conway. Really good booking, in my opinion. I know Meltzer described it as craziness, but I kind of like it. Yeah, no, no, no complaints about that. Uh, January 13th, 2014, and it, it all comes down to this Wrestle Kingdom 8, where Satoshi, Satoshi Kojima pinned Rob Conley in 8 minutes and 27 seconds to win the NWA heavyweight title. Harley Race was at ringside, and Tenzan came out with Kojima. Jack Stane came out with Conley, and Harley Race was very unsteady on his feet, but he decked Bruce Tharp with a short left. It was then weird to have them both sitting at the same table during the match. Kojima is really hurting. He no longer even does his trademark elbow off the top rope. He went to do it and Dane distracted him, which allowed Conway a chance to recover and give him a flare style slam off the top. Conway used a Mongolian chop in front of Tenzan, which the, got the crowd mad. Tenzan got into a terrible looking brawl with Dane. Tenzan laid him out with a mountain bomb. Conway hit a spear on Kojima and went for the ego trip, but Kojima turned into a Koji cutter. The finish saw Kojima duck a Conway lariat, then hit him with the lariat for the pin. Tharp's temper tantrum after the guy lost the NWA title was awesome. The crowd did pop for the title change. Uh, and then it also notes that Joshi Kojima, as NWA champion, Jushin Liger and Davey Boy Stuck Jr. will be going to the United Kingdom for Superstars of Wrestling UK on March 29th for a show called Super Clash 2014. There are thoughts of sending Kojima all over the world with this idea of bringing prestige back to the title. Now, that Wrestle Kingdom, now, obviously, you have an NBA world title change. Also on that card, uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, the Bull Club, defeat David Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer. Uh, Young Bucks defeat Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero. Uh, Suzuki Gun and the Time Splitters, Shelly and Kushida. You also had uh, Kota Ibushi against Prince Devitt. Uh, Okada against Naito and Tanahashi against Nakamura. So when you look at that, uh, I think it's a pretty big, uh, a pretty big honor to have the NWA title on a card, on a just a star-studded card like that. 
And isn't it crazy? You know, this is what I love when we do podcasts like this and just all the podcasts out there. When you forget that these things lived in the same world. So the rise of the Young Bucks and the Bullet Club was going on at the same time as Rob Conway and Bruce Tharp doing the NWA angle in New Japan. Bruce Tharp is doing his heel 1980s Jim Cornette type gimmick on this card that's main evented by Tom Tanahashi and Nakamura going 23 minutes and Okada and Naito going 31. Yeah, it's, it's uh, quite, quite the thing to think about. It's, it, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing to, uh, to think about that uh, as we, as we discuss it here. Um, all right. So, Moving on uh, to February 17, 2014 from the Observer. New Japan Pro Wrestling, new beginning in Hiroshima on February 9th. Satoshi Kojima pinned Big Daddy Yum Yum, Brian Wolcott, in 11.04 to retain the NW Heavyweight title. Yum Yum came across like a minor league guy, like a very green indie guy. He's tall, billed at six foot six. Bruce Tharp got a ton of heat ringside as the American NWA rep. Yum Yum's big spot was a one-armed Bruno San Martino style backbreaker over the shoulder. Kojima won with Lariat, one and a half stars. Big Daddy Yum Yum. So, I mean, nothing against Big Daddy Yum Yum. I love the name, by the way. Uh, but uh, you go from Rob Conway to Big Daddy Yum Yum, like the po- star power drops off there from who the NWA is bringing over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Big Daddy Yum Yum, Brian Wilcott, uh, trained by Jazz and Roddy Mack. He he wasn't the WWE developmental system in 09. So you look at that, like, um, he's 6'6", 255 pounds. So he fits, he checks all the boxes. Um, but yeah, definitely a drop off at that point. He really didn't do much in his, uh, in his career up to then. Actually, not too much after, uh, he's, I, it he's just seems like around. Well, as far as his last match was right before the pandemic, but he did some ring of honor stuff in 2019. So he yeah, worked he a did the uh, battle Royal in new Orleans. Yeah. Well, it battle Royal. Um, yeah, but it was for the NWA world. So literally <laughs> I kid you not Ash ever, almost everybody else in this battle Royal is a roster member of ring of honor. Silas young, yeah. Brian Johnson, Brian Malonis, cheeseburger and so on, you know? Yeah. And it, it's in his hometown, so they throw him in there. I'm not I'm not discrediting the guy. I'm just saying, like, for someone that obviously he had that look and something someone that Bruce Tharp was trying to trying to push. Yeah, he did CMLL too. Like he, he got out there. Just it just seems like he's he wasn't really on the radar too much uh after that and really didn't go anywhere didn't progress that much beyond Bruce Tharp's NWA. And yeah, and uh, uh, Big Daddy Yum Yum, though, love the name. If he comes back to wrestling, I will definitely, I would love to work a show. You want to announce him? Big da- yes, I want to say the Big Daddy Yum Yum. Work CMLL in actually 2019 as well. See, this, this guy's got some clout, Ash. How dare you disparage the name of Big Daddy Yum Yum? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
Marcer 2014 uh, from uh, from the Observer. NWA President Bruce Starford does a heel manager trip routine in Japan. Said we will be debuting a national NWA television product in the very near future on Twitter. Every, it's coming soon. Big news. Stay every episode, every episode of this podcast, that <laughs> quote is said by no matter what company we're talking about, no matter what questionable promoter says. We're gonna we're gonna debut national television in the near future. Me and you are both aware of promotions that have not ran in years that still will post on social media. Big news coming soon. It's like you haven't ran in like seven years. It's over. They're 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 talking to TV. They're talking to TV companies. They got they got something coming on. Oh, um, March twenty fourth, two thousand fourteen. Uh, Satoshi Kojima will be defending the NWA title in Taiwan in April before working several U.S. states as champion in May. Rob Conway and Jack Stane will be coming to Taiwan for these shows. Although it's been reported that Satoshi Kojima is coming in for the May 10th and May 17th shows, that's not the case, at least at this point. New Japan wants to keep Kojima's U.S. stuff exclusive for the NWA since he's the world champion, so it's a political thing. The way I've been told he'd like to come is since his sister lives in Brooklyn, it would allow him to see her and Ring of Honor would love to have him. So, and this, I, I kind of wanted to dig into this a little bit here. Uh, first off, Taiwan, very interesting market. Uh, you, you know, something you don't see pop up. And I'd love, and, and that's, by the way, check out our friends at WrestleMap. They do a great, great job. They write articles daily on all these promotions happening all over the world. <laughs> like independent wrestling, everything. Whenever we actually do something outside of the U.S. and Canada, we'll definitely, I'd like to have, uh, let's have Brian from WrestleMap on, or, you know, at least help us research. But anyways, uh, Taiwan, really interesting place. I was like, oh, wow, they, they, they had wrestling. <laughs> you know, it's like you learn about these places. Like, whoa, they're bringing in the NWA champion. Um, now, to the point of Kojima in the United States, so it seemed like he thought the idea was he comes in and he can work as many quality U.S. states as possible. And it seems like the NWA wanted to kind of keep it the exclusive for the NWA, which we're not talking a lot of big markets. Sure, Houston and San Antonio makes sense. It's also Bruce Starr's home territory. Makes sense. But why would you not want him to go defend the title in Ring of Honor and give you that prestige, as well as defend the title in any bigger cities that were running promotions at that time. I mean, I would rather have him go to somewhere in Philadelphia or Chicago or Boston or Los Angeles, etc. Then, oh no, it has to be NWA affiliates. And let's look at the NWA affiliates at this time. They're mostly regional. They're in the Southeast or in the Southwest. Yeah, there is some in the Northeast scattered through, but look at the market size. I'm sorry, but like Satoshi Kojima is not going to draw in Frankfurt, Kentucky. It just isn't going to happen, you know, or, no, I, or or even in Kingsport, Tennessee, probably a decent crowd, but they're probably there to see Bo James, <laughs> you know, like I did that. That's entirely, that's true. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure that's, that's why those fans are there. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. You look at the NWA strongholds in 2014. You had Locust Grove, Georgia. Here's Toledo, Ohio. You had Louisiana, 
Homer, Louisiana, Tampa, Florida, Millersville, Tennessee, Cypress, Texas, Churchill, Tennessee, uh, Mississippi, another Louisiana, North uh, Williamston, North Carolina. It's it's all that traditional NWA territory, NWA region. So again, yeah, what what would it hurt to let Kojima work Ring of Honor in New York City and Philly and Toronto? It's not going to hurt their draw because nobody's streaming, and uh, Ring of Honor still doing their DVD business. And those DVDs are not going to get out for weeks or months after the show. Probably by the time Kojima's back in Japan. So it's not going to hurt the draw of any of these shows. I think it was more of Tharp just wanting to say he has the exclusive exclusivity of Ko- Kojima during this during this excursion. And you've seen, and I, I alluded to it earlier. Look at what's happened in America in the last year with these talents coming over from Japan. Minoru Suzuki, all over the place, and worked in bigger markets and worked for some of the best independent promotions in the country. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I've seen others like Tanahashi and and Kojima and uh, uh, you know, multiple El Phantasmo and Will Ospreay and Jay White and multiple talents. You know, yes, and New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong is a big part of why they're coming over, but they're also working all these other top independent promotions, and they're all in markets where it makes sense. You know, a place, two places where a lot of Japanese talent are being brought in and drawing well is Seattle and San Francisco. Yeah. Those are the type of places <laughs> that, that should have been that Kojima should have been working at. Yeah, Not, oh no, no you can't work that. You got to work home in Louisiana. Oof. Yeah. Probably hasn't drawn a good house since Mid South. <laughs> no, no offense against home of Louisiana. <laughs> right, Maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, here's a show. Yeah, May 2014, home of Louisiana from the East Park Recreation Center. Uh, main event was NWA Elite Heavyweight Title Match: John Saxton against Andy Dalton. That was pretty much the card. Was Kevin Northcutt on that show? Because Kevin Northcutt was the guy I always saw in those Louisiana results. And I, I, I was a secret Kevin Northcutt fan. I liked Kevin Northcutt. Uh, Minotaur was on the show. Uh, <laughs> tagging with Apocalypse against Steve Anthony and Tim Storm. Oh, Tim Storm. All right. Yeah. So Tim Storm. Uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Running, uh, working the uh, home of Louisiana territory. But I fully agree, like, these are the types of shows that you're not really getting your money back. You're not, like, you're booking Kojima, you're paying Kojima, you're not seeing a return on your investment by running these small towns. But you're also not letting him get the NWA name out there. It doesn't matter if it's an NWA affiliate. The fact is, he should be working Ring of Honor. At this time, CCW was a big deal. Maybe even Mid-South be honest with you, but he should be going to work for these type places. AEW was becoming growing full yeah. impact pro. Like this Smash Wrestling this is, was starting up in Toronto. They would have booked him. Yes. This is the beginning of this I for lack of better word, super indies that we have now. This is the beginning of it. The uh, you know and 
there was places that that he could have worked at that would have helped the NWA, but like, wow, the NWA. Because then you know, that's the thing too. You send him to a promotion, and they may go, wow, they do have Kojima as their champion. Maybe we should look into being part of the NWA. Yeah, yeah. But, you you had the NWA had that relationship now with New Japan. It wasn't just oh, you know. Italian exchange where New Japan guys are coming over. You actually had the NWA World Title defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, and and and, and you know, it, I just I I don't like the move of Tharp not wanting him to to, to really to work any non NWA feds and not to get the name out there. And, and you know, I talked about I love the New Japan moves and what what they were doing with the title and all that. And then it goes back. To, oh, but now here's a questionable decision based on political preference. Ric Flair didn't defend the NWA title in exclusive NWA feds in the 80s. Bill Watts is an NWA affiliate. Fritz wasn't an NWA affiliate. He was still defending the belt. He, he did he did Pro Wrestling USA. Um, the whole thing of, like, you're the champ, so you only can work NWA affiliates is, like, antiquated. And, yeah, it just hurt himself. It hurt the NWA itself for, for doing that. March 31st, 2014, Satoshi Kojima is NWA champion. Prince Devitt, Jushin Liger, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. are working at March 29th show in Gloucester, England for the Superstars of Wrestling UK group. Kojima faces Rampage Brown for the NWA title. No date has been announced, but Hiroshi Tanahashi and Styles, along with DDT's Kenny Omega, are announced for the group's second show. So the Superstars of Wrestling, um, which might be something we have to visit in the future, this sounds pretty star-studded, um, but and, and they did they did run. It, it is uh, there is there are results here. I mean, but a thing that 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 Kojima is doing for the NWA is he's defending it in England. He's giving it. He's defending it in Taiwan. He's giving it prestige. Yeah, no, I fully agree here. So, and this is where we kind of talked about. You know, I talked about before where you want that NWA title, if it's going to be defending the United States, maybe you want to defend it in the 2300 arena in Philadelphia, the former ECW arena. Maybe you want to defend it in Hammerstein Ballroom. Maybe you want to defend it in all these, you know, prestigious venues. Well, on April 7, 2014, in the Observer, Satoshi Kojima defends the NWA title on May 31st in Cypress, Texas, at the VFW Post in 8905. And there's nothing wrong with VFW Post, but that's the thing. You've got this guy who's becoming a global champion for you. He's a big, he's a legend at this point. And now he's above legend status, but at this point he's a legend in New Japan. And you're only defending your title in the VFW post in Cypress, Texas. You are not going to Philadelphia. You're not going to New York. I can defend a title and bring him on or get out of here. VFW post 8905. I Googled it. It does come (laughs) up. Uh, it is. I a, guarantee they have a fish fry special on their front page. Oh, oh, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> um, it is a pretty much a tin shed. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't share a screen, but like, yeah, it's. Uh, I highly recommend everyone just Google that and look at the uh, the pictures come up because you can see inside of it too. It's it's what you expect an indie wrestling fed to run in. Oh, here there there are pictures on Google of pro wrestling <laughs> happening in this venue. 
Uh, it kind of looks kind of looks impressive. Uh, not impressive. It looks unique with these pictures. But again, you're this is the NWA World Champion, a title that just three months earlier was being defended at the Tokyo Dome, and now is in this dingy VFW post that's probably filled with cigarette smoke. Where is Cypress, Texas? Because I think I I might think it's something I'm thinking of this venue. Let's see where it's located. Uh, it's in Houston, probably isn't. So I saw a picture on showing a wrestling ring in it, and it looked very similar to. Remember when the Tiger King craze came out, and then people found out that he was actually commentating on Rodney the Defender for wrestling. <laughs> And it kind of looked like that setup, but it looks like it's a different because I think that was more towards the Oklahoma border. But uh, by the way, we if we ever do mini episodes, we should probably do a mini episode on Tiger King's wrestling career, which pretty sure he was an NWA affiliate when he ran his, his wrestling shows. Which now I, I need to know about this. Let's see here, Tiger King. NWA wrestling. Actually, Tiger King wrestling probably pops up. Let's see here. Yeah, we'll we'll look into more uh as, as I I'll uh, as we go down the episode here, I find some more stuff out here about Joe Exotic's uh, wrestling career here. But okay, uh so yes, so here it was. So he uh started running shows with uh, a guy by the name of Robert Langton, who was a pro wrestling promoter for NWA Texoma, which is now Texoma Pro Wrestling. So it, it was an NWA affiliate. Uh, this was an NWA affiliate that, 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 that Joe Exotic helped run wrestling shows with. So yeah, it's just uh, I, I wanted to. We got to talk about Tiger King on the episode, and and, and that, that makes me happy inside. Um, no, I'm actually, I'm, April, I, I put ahead. in the chat. I put in the chat. Click on that. Look at these pictures for this VFW post. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I I was seeing them. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I, I was seeing them because that's where I said that the the. The layout looked like the same layout of when I heard him do commentary. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, it's a different venue. But yeah, so yeah, if uh, see, Tiger yeah. King was once part of the NWA. Joe Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, mo- moving on to the uh, April 14, thousand fourteen uh, uh, Observer New Japan Invasion Attack pay per view show on April sixth, Sumo Hall in Tokyo. Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzan beat Rob Conley and Jack Stane in 10 minutes and 6 seconds to win the NWA World Tag Team titles. Kojima seemed healthier and moving better than a while. Tenzan was still very limited. The crowd got into all of Kojima's trademark things. Bruce Starb continued to play the Jim Cornette manager role with great tantrums. The finish saw them give Dane a 3D, followed by Kojima hitting a lariat on him, and Tenzan pinned him after a moonsault. Dane has noticeably improved in recent months. Two and three quarter stars. So, um, continuing, and this is, we're looking at it here. This is a good year long feud that they're doing here between Kojima and and, and Rob Conley. 
and getting yeah. all the other parties involved. I mean, if you had the long-term deal with Kojima and got him where he's on excursion, might as well make it a year-long, year-long deal. Yeah, I mean, and and, and uh, the and involving the tag titles and the world title in the same conversation, um, I I kind I kind of like that. I like that a lot, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, April 14, 2014. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I just read that there. May 12, 2014, Observer. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Dontaku on May 3rd. Satoshi Kojima retained the NWA Heavyweight title, pinning Wes Briscoe after a lariat in 9 minutes and 25 seconds. The biggest thing about this match was Stan Hansen coming out, getting the expected superstar reaction. Bruce Tharp came out wearing a Jackie Gleason smoking jacket out of the 50s. The deal was with Briscoe getting a shot is that his uncle Jack was a very well-remembered in Japan as NWA champion from 1973 to 1975, and he's the guy Giant Baba beat in his first one-week title reign. Brown now, I'm sorry, Briscoe now has dark hair and and trunks and his tattoos all over his legs. With his hair, beard, and mustache, he looked like a 1973 Terry Funk. They pushed Briscoe as the master of the figure four. So he worked over Kojima's leg. He put the move on Kojima twice, but people weren't buying it. Kojima hit the lariat to end it. The storyline is that Hanson had taught Kojima the lariat about a dozen years ago when Kojima first went to all of Japan as a regular. So he used it as Stan was watching here. Match was okay, but nothing more. Kojima was limited because he was working with a broken left hand, and Briscoe was limited because he's West Briscoe. That's from Melter. Uh, while, while not new, it's something seeing that the NWA title not only defended before intermissions, but positioned well below the Never Championship, one in three quarter stars. Um, and before we get into the uh, second part, because uh, West Briscoe pops up again, uh, West Briscoe. Um, He's still working. Uh, last time I checked social, I believe he is in a relationship with Red Velvet. From what from what I understand, I haven't oh. seen him popped up on AW Dark or Dark Elevation, which kind of shocks me. Um, that he hasn't popped up. But West Briscoe, this is this is a little bit after the 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 Impact Wrestling run and the Aces and Eights thing, and I've never had the pleasure working with West Briscoe. Me and you have both worked with Garrett Bischoff, who was an absolute treat to work with. Great guy. Oh, yeah. I cannot put over Garrett Bischoff enough. Really good dude. Um, But I like the idea. Here's a guy fresh off TV, and he has a name that is synonymous with the old NWA. But you're billing him as the master of the figure four. Now, I, I don't remember a lot of the impacts wrestling from like 13 and f- 14 and 12, but did he put a lot of figure fours on? Because I'm pretty sure that was AJ Styles' deal when Flair was managing him that, during that run. Yeah, uh, I don't recall Wes Briscoe being the master of the figure four. I could be wrong. I, it could be. No, but, you know, no. but yeah, not something, not something I remembered. Um, so from the second part, uh, of that observer there where West Briscoe shows back up here. Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzan retain the NWA tag titles in a three-way, beating Davey Boyd Smith Jr. and Lance Archer and West Briscoe and Rob Conley in 11 minutes and 38 seconds. So West Briscoe is getting featured in both titles. 
Uh, they kept the action moving. Smith Jr. and Archer both did delayed suplexes at the same time on Conway and Briscoe, respectively. They try and push Briscoe as the master of the figure four because Jack Briscoe as world champion came to Japan as the master of the figure four. Well, there's our explanation, but still, it doesn't work for me. Uh, in the 70s, there were all kinds of near falls, including a 3D on Conway uh, that were broken up. NW President Bruce Tharp got on the apron as Tenzon hit the Anaconda Vice on Briscoe. Tenzon went after Tharp, and Briscoe used a dropkick and a schoolboy on Tenzon for a near fall. Briscoe put the figure four on Tenzon, but Kojima saved. Uh, and then Kojima then, uh, I'm sorry, Kojima uh, saved, uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. The, the wording was a little bit here. Put a figure on top, but Kojima saved them. Kojima then Larry and Smith Jr., Larry and Archer over the top rope, used a diamond cutter on Conway, and then Tenzan used a moonsault on Briscoe for the pin two and three-quarter star. So involving this tag title, I mean, and, and you know, that also brings up the comment that the title is positioned lower than never championship and i'm sure it was but they have two storylines going on here they both title belts at least the world title and the tag titles are being featured on new japan shows that's more than what was done three years ago or three years before this i should say you know at the end of the day it's still being positioned i i think no one's kidding themselves i don't think they expected to be the main eventer or right before the main no no not at all uh, June 9th, 2014 observer, Rob Conway pinned Satoshi Kojima on June 2nd in Las Vegas at the Gold Coast Hotel to regain the NWA title. Kojima was in town for the Cauliflower Alley Club banquet, and I guess that's where they were going to switch the title back. Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzan are also NWA World Tag Champs. The NWA noted it was the first time the NWA title had changed hands in the fight capital of the world. Kojima won the title on January 4th in the Tokyo Dome and had done two U.S. tours since then. He worked on May 30th in Millersville, Tennessee, pinning <laughs> Jeremiah Plunkett and Damian Wayne in two different title f- defenses. Oh, Plunkett. And May 31st in Houston, um, beating Carson. Uh, so w- they did what we what we said. They they went to Millersville, Tennessee. <laughs> you know, and 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 like we already talked about Damian Wayne. Jeremiah Plunkett is another guy. I maybe because he's down there, he doesn't get the praise he should, but really, really solid worker. I know he's a um, worked a lot when Colin Delaney was was doing pretty much a southern excursion down there when he was down south. I know he did a lot of stuff with Jeremiah Plunkett. There's nothing but good things to say about him, and I've, a lot of people uh, have said great things about Jeremiah Plunkett <coughs> uh, down there, down there, down south. Um, to yeah, so at this title change here. Uh, Conway gets his belt back, but as far as the tag champs, uh, we still have uh, Tenzan and Kojima. So it looks like the NWA title, <coughs> NWA tag title, sorry, will still be you know featured in New Japan. Now moving on to the August 18, 2014, uh, a New Japan rep is expected to be coming to the Brooklyn show to discuss more talent exchanges. There is talk of doing a Ring of Honor title match at the Tokyo Dome in January as the Outsider World title instead of the NWA title. The whole NWA thing in New Japan hasn't been talked about lately. And there it is. Yeah, slowly starting to uh, fade away here. Obviously, like, it still went on for a few more months, but obviously it's it's starting to cool off. Do you think this is what Tharp was afraid of? 
the reason why he didn't want, or at least allegedly didn't want Kojima to work for Ring of Honor was because maybe it would have sped up this relationship and they would have realized, oh, we can just do Ring of Honor, not NWA. It's possible. Um, not going to deny that. Not going to say no to that. Um, Ring of Honor was already, uh, already bought by Sinclair at that point. Um, so they already had the money. They had the means. They were definitely a stronger company than the NWA. Um, and New Japan already had a working arrangement with them in the in the past too, bringing in names. So, uh, I think it makes sense, especially with the NWA. Like you've gone as far as you could, uh, pushing the NWA name and championship in New Japan. Uh, why not open it up to a whole new, different roster of talent? And uh, I think we, uh, you know, we're about to see here the door closing more and more in this relationship. October 20, 2014, New Japan Pro Wrestling, King of Pro Wrestling on October 13th in Tokyo, Davey Boy Smith Jr. Lance Archer, the Killer Elite Squad, won the NWA tag titles from Kojima and Tenzan, which sees the beginning of the split up and feud among the latter duo. Uh, NWA President Bruce Starr wearing a smoking jacket on the Fred Blassie area, ch- challenged Jushin Liger, the legend, Liger in an expensive suit and tie and mask, acting like a modern-day Mr. Wrestling 2, except for the challenge, which may be in Osaka or the Tokyo Dome. Which, okay, so yes, we do have Tharp still being involved with Liger, but you could tell, all right, now they're putting the belts on uh, back on Archer and Smith, who can defend them in the States at a pretty regular basis, that they're kind of trying to cool this relationship off. Yeah. And hey, it might be for, and the reason why they're doing the Liger thing is for somebody to finally get the Kermuppins on Bruce Starr, because no one's really got that yet, to a uh, booking standpoint. <laughs> so, November 7, 2014, power struggle at uh, November 8th at the Osaka Bodymaker Coliseum. Jushin Liger pinned Chase Owens in 9 minutes and 20 seconds to win the NWA Junior Heavyweight title. Bruce Starr was in a video earlier in the show he's, where he said some uh, Liger 8x10s on fire. <laughs> He was wearing his loud jacket out of the 70s Fred Blassie collection and doing a Memphis manager from that era act. He told the fans to stand up and give him respect. They didn't do that. Owens was called by Tharp the crown jewel of the NWA. The crowd was into Liger going after the NWA junior title, the belt that Johnny, or sorry, Danny Hodge wore far more than you think. They had a nice match, although Owens had a feel for it being over his head. Owens did a springboard uh, backbreaker and a second backbreaker in near falls. He went out for a package pile driver, which is his big move, but Liger blocked using a Fez press, a move Hodge also uses a finisher in Japan in the 60s, uh, Palm Blow, and two Brain Busters, and won the title. The title was win was way bigger than I figured, as tons of people were shooting photos of Liger with the belt, and when he left the ring, people were going crazy to touch the belt, two and three-quarter star. Now, Okay, first off, let's talk about Chase Owens because this was huge for his career. Because to this day, in 2021, Chase Owens is a regular in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Correct. And it probably doesn't happen if this relationship between Bruce Starp and New Japan is a thing because I, at that time, um, 
NWA, I believe it was NWA Smoky Mountain, where Tony Givens was running it. Uh, Chase Owens was a feature player uh, in the in the NWA promotion. It became Innovate Wrestling, and uh, so obviously he's one of the shining stars through these regional promotions. NWA gets a shot, and now he's a member of the Bullet Club. He's not looking back, you know. Yeah, and as we as we see as we're going through here, the NWA New Japan angle kind of pivots pivots from the NWA World title and Rob Conway into the junior heavyweight title and Liger and the main focus turns into Bruce Tharp versus Liger as we go here. So kind of like not demotion, but it's something different. It, it seems like Tharp's just trying to I don't want to say stay relevant, but he's he's trying to prolong his managing career by now shifting over to uh feuding with Liger. Well, like every promoter, he's got to be now involved in a main storyline. Yeah. Almost every promoter does it. Eventually happens. Yeah. They get involved. Um, January 24, 2014, uh, Chris Lumpilo, who was running the NWA title, or NWA Bruce Tharp, has split with him after some threatened legal action by Tharp. Ronquillo plans to continue promoting in Houston, but not as an NWA affiliate. He sent an email to people saying that he left the organization immediately. Uh, so yeah, I was just this. I was actually just looking this up a few minutes ago, trying to uh, find more information because not a lot has been talked about about Chris in here. Uh, it was mentioned earlier on when uh, when Tharp actually won the rights to the NWA. Um, him and Fred Rubenstein, along with Tharp, were the three in charge from everything i can see um chris was the chief executive officer of the nwa since early 2013 um and it seems like he ran everything behind the scenes for uh for tharp so he would work with the affiliates he'd try to get more affiliates to come along uh to join in with the group um and really nothing nothing about why he left. Um, nothing that I could find out on here. So it's uh, – could be a mystery. But, uh, again, if some kind of threatening legal action and he immediately uh, stepped away, there's probably some uh, big story there and probably something that probably hasn't gotten out for a reason. Yeah, we're actually, and we're getting a lot of this information from uh, Online World of Wrestling with the article that was written in August 2nd, 2014 about this. Uh, yeah, this guy was doing the grunt work. He was doing a lot of the, you know, the day-to-day operations stuff, the, the grunt stuff that had to be done, the phone calls, the emails. While Bruce Dart was over in Japan, feuding with Jushin Thunder Liger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Burning Liger not saying Bruce Dart wasn't contributing and, and, and everything, but I'm just saying, like, this is a guy that you don't hear and he's really trying the to face keep, of it. Yeah, he's really trying to keep the the NWA uh a flow in here. Um December 15, 2014, after finishing its tag team tournament, New Japan announced the complete January 4th Wrestle Kingdom show at the Tokyo Dome, which due to time constraints and injuries has changed slightly from original plans and still has a few holes in it. Officially gone are both the NWA title, the NWA Junior title, and the Ring of Honor title from the card. A tease breakup uh, of Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima has been dropped, at least for now. 
this is the beginning, in my opinion, because I remember having people over for this. We watched it, like, not live, obviously, with the time difference. But I remember having some people over for this uh, that came over to my house and watched this. This might have been the first Wrestle Kingdom that was a big deal. Like, not the first big deal, but a really big deal with the internet wrestling community and really kicked off that boom for New Japan for wrestling. Would you, and I know this is an independent wrestling show. We don't want to make too much talk about this, but this did affect the independence. Uh, yeah. and, and, and here's the interesting thing that they, because due to time constraints, they dropped the NWA matches and Ring of Honor. This was the uh, Wrestle Kingdom that had uh, Jeff Jarrett on it. Yep, and so, Scott Demore, and they were in Bullet yeah, Club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, they dropped Ring of they dropped Ring of Honor. They dropped more importantly, they dropped the NWA for Global Force Wrestling. Well, Jarrett Jarrett was Jarrett was a great great heel in Japan and Mexico, especially Mexico. Yeah, he he was very good at that. Um, and and, oh, no, and I'm, I'm not I'm not criticizing them for making that decision. But I they just, took an untested I, brand and they really wanted to affiliate themselves with it, other than Ring of Honor and yeah, which Ring of Honor, they might have been a time constraint, they might have been a travel thing. Their relationship with Ring of Honor still continued, uh, obviously, what culminated in the the Madison Square Garden show. Yeah, yeah, and at that time, uh, Jay Briscoe was the Ring of Honor champion, so may, maybe maybe the lack of star power there um but i'm just spitballing here from that their opinion yeah, yeah from their opinion it wasn't it, yeah it wasn't adam cole it wasn't elgin it wasn't jay lethal it wasn't like a ma- major star that has a japanese pedigree um that could have played a factor in there but i think more so it was, it was probably more than likely just the jeff jarrett global force wrestling bullet club tie-in um that just was the reason for the reason for all those matches getting cut. Uh, Jay Ranty, 2015 Observer, NWA Champion Rob Conway, 42 years old, underwent an emergency uh, epidectomy on January 14th. Conway was scheduled to defend the title against Hiroshi Tenzan on February 14th. So uh, probably, uh, you know, uh, not the best thing for him to uh, uh, to go out, but he does defend that title he works that match um which we'll get into later uh, on uh february 14 2015 losing to hiroshi tenzan in, in new japan so i mean the, the nwa title pops back up uh and once again it, folks i i can't explain how this is going on in the same era that new japan is really blowing up like Nothing and like and what I'm saying is is like this this NWA title and Bruce Starr versus Jushin Liger, it's so 80s and 90s, and it's happening when we're really seeing <laughs> the beginning of what the business uh, would really turn into. I mean, that New Japan Pro Wrestling from 2015 on became so influential. We don't have an AEW without it, you know. And and I just I kind of want to just kind of show you guys here so we talked about that wrestle kingdom this is a wrestle kingdom that has aj styles versus naito nakamura versus abushi tanahashi versus okada omega with the young bucks versus taguchi you know uh minoru suzuki i know who was for a while but he's on there we have 
uh, TMDK on this show, uh, Shelton Benjamin, the Time Splitters, Shelly and Kushida, Young Bucks, Red Dragon, Fish and O'Reilly. Like this is the era. The Bullet Club is is going on strong. This is this era of New Japan, but yeah, this is also the era of the NWA title and Bruce Starr. I never thought this was the same stuff. I mean, I probably remembered it back then, but now here we are doing the research and doing this podcast, and it just blows my mind. I would have never thought it was in the same era. Yeah, you had uh, just two entirely different styles of wrestling going on in the same the same product. It's 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 just absolutely mind blowing here, and Rob Conway <laughs> getting hurt. Uh, def- definitely a bummer for him, and that would be that would be it for Rob Conway as far as NWA heavyweight titles. And I'm actually in- intrigued to see because I know he hasn't worked in a couple years, or at least I have not seen him advertise anywhere, but. See Rob Conway's most recent history from our good friends at Cage Match. So he does work still pretty strong schedule after this, all the way up until 2019. But it's not worked since 2019. His last match is uh, November 2nd, 2019. And he lost in a tag match in Madison, Indiana for Supreme Wrestling. So that was that that was the last Rob Conway there, but uh probably the last major run of Rob Conway is this NWA run ending in 2015. And do you think he's a guy that uh would have if say he came back today in independent wrestling, he would have a huge independent wrestling run? Uh I don't know if he'd have a huge run. I don't I don't think he'd have a run sort of like PCO, but I can't see him not getting bookings. Um, I definitely don't see him doing like a WWE guest spot, like a, a WWE, like a raw union type spot, but I could see him getting out there and, and getting the, uh, like the AIW booking. But yeah. Well, I don't think he would, he would be a raw reunion type guy, but I think he might be a guy that like, just, I mean, look at JTG. Yeah. JTG worked a lot of super indies over the last year or so. And now he's in the NWA, uh, you know, yeah. in the NWA power and whatnot. And let's see, I'm, I'm looking at more like Mordecai. No, so I, I'm there. thinking of him in, in, in that, in, you You're know, think it's serious. Work. Okay. I, in I, the I, current I, NWA, right. Yeah. And, and we're, we're going to briefly talk about it. Probably there will be a part four. Right? <laughs> I'm looking at the notes. There's definitely going to be a part four. Uh, Part four, where we finish and we talk about the current NWA. Well, the current NWA is getting a lot of these guys that are from that era, that 05 to 12, 2011, 2012 era of WWE. You got JTGs over there. Trevor Murdoch is the champion. Mike Knox just showed up. Yeah. Like, like, you know, uh, Damian Sandow's there. And he he was he was his first run was Aaron the Idol Stevens when he was teaming up in that tag team with Michelle McCool as a manager. So there's a lot of these like mid two thousands uh, to early two thousand tens WWE wrestlers 
if Rob Conway came back, and I'm, you know, of course he's a little bit older, but it's wrestling now. I mean, guys in their fifties are having five star matches. If Rob Conway came back, I think the new NWA would be the perfect place for him. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand that. Plus, he's a former champion, so it, it would make sense. Yeah. Rob Conway, if if you're looking to come back, we 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 like to see you uh, come back to uh, come back to the world of wrestling here. All right, so yeah, so you know, we talked about that Rob Conway. Uh, uh, title change here in, in actually in the Observer, February 11, 2015. New Japan Pro Wrestling Osaka on February 11th. Rob Conway and Chase Owens uh, beat Hiroshi Tenzan and Jushin Liger in seven minutes and 53 seconds. Tharp came out with his Bruce Tharp trading card. It's, I, I, I want to work a show of Bruce Tharp now. <laughs> Conway looks like a star. Well, if the star was a Randy Savage uh, from a look and mannerism standpoint, it's a total copy. Uh, crowd booed Conway when he used Tenzan Mongolian chops on him. That's easy. He Conway even tried to sell like Savage. Uh, it seemed like he was being careful since he was back far too fast from an epidectomy. Uh, Tharp tripped Liger at one point. Liger set Owens for a brain buster, but Tharp distracted Liger. Conway used the ego trip on Liger and then on Tenzan. Owens then pinned Liger with a package pile driver to set up their title match in three days. After the match, Tharp buried Liger under the NWA flag. <laughs> and then here it is, New Japan Pro Wrestling, New Beginning in Sunday and February 14th. And this is from the February 25th Observer in 2015. Drusha Liger pinned Chase Owens to retain the NWA Junior t- Heavyweight title in seven minutes and 49 seconds. Liger was on the top rope wanting to do a plancha, but Bruce Tharp jumped in front of Owens. Liger went after Tharp, which allowed Owens to get him from behind. Fans were into this one. Liger used a Frankensteiner off the top and a power bomb. He went off the top row for a splash, but Owens got his knees up. Owens took over, including using a gut buster and a half Nelson into a backbreaker. He set up a package pile driver, but Liger backdropped out of it. Uh, they traded near falls until Liger pinned him with a European clutch, but Liger, uh, I'm sorry, which is a bridging cradle. This was better than the first match that these two had as Owens came across more ready for New Japan this time. After the match, Liger's champion challenged Tiger Mask to a title match, which has been announced for March 22nd in Amagasaki. Uh, Hiroshi Tenzan pinned Rob Conway in 11 minutes and 50 seconds to win the NWA heavyweight title. The match had a lot of heat and fans were into the idea of Tenzan winning the title. Uh, Even though it's a mid-card position, after all these years, the NWA belt is still some value to the fans here. Very Americanized as Tenzan used a diving headbutt and an anaconda vice. He then held the move and picked Conway up and slammed him down with the anaconda uh, buster into the vice. Tharp was on the apron, distracted ref Tiger Hattori, so he missed Conway tapping. Kojima at ringside started yelling at Hattori for missing the tap. But as Kojima distracted Hattori, Conway hit Tenzan with a belt shot, but Tenzan kicked out. Tenzan then kicked out of a spear and then the ego trip. Tenzan then used the ego trip on Conway, who kicked out. The match had great heat from here. The finish saw Tenzan go to the top rope, but Tharp tried to stop him. Tenzan gave Tharp three headbutts and then hit the moonsault on Conway for the pin. Tharp may have broken his nose, but he suffered a broken nose because he suffered a broken nose while on the tour. <laughs> so, yeah, he pro- probably did break his nose on that. Because I, I, I don't know if Bruce Tharp was really trained. He was around the wrestling business for a long time. But not sure if he was actually trained, trained. Yeah. And uh, I do believe in the match, uh, Meltzer gave it three stars. Um, I do believe that match is on New Japan Road. 
Um, I don't believe it's on YouTube or anywhere else, but that's definitely a uh, top-tier match worth checking out if you have New Japan World. And it's crazy that Conway is doing this while, <laughs> while, while he's hurt. Yeah, yeah, he's... It hasn't been that long since he, he had his surgery. Uh, March 16, 2015, Observer, there were a few angles regarding the NWA heavyweight title held by Tenzan. The direction for the April 5th invasion attack looks like Tenzan versus Kojima and the battle of Japan's most famous active tag team. On March 3rd, the two were on opposite sides in a 10-man tag match, and after it was over, Tenzan hit Kojima with a belt shot. The two had a post-match pull-apart with challenges being issued. On May, uh, March 5th, at a six-man tag, Tenzan and Ishii went at it and teased an NWA title versus never title match. In addition, Nakamura, the IC champion, has talked about wanting the NWA title. So now that it's weird, now that it's on a New Japan talent, they seem to like really focus and they're just like, we don't really anything. Can we just keep the NWA title and not have to deal with anything else? Um, April 20th, 2015, uh, Steve Anthony uh, beat Jushin Liger on April 13th at the Gold Coast Hotel in Las Vegas to win the NWA Junior Heavyweight title. It was the second year in a row that a New Japan wrestler had dropped into a title during the festivities of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Last year, uh, Rob Conway regained the NWA heavyweight title during Cauliflower Alley Club week from Satoshi Kojima. Anthony won in 17 minutes via outside interference. Anthony had been working in Texas where the NWA is now headquartered. He had worked in 2009 for Pro Wrestling Noah, and at that time was the head trainer of Harley Race's wrestling school. This led to an April 29th show in Kumamoto, where Anthony gives Liger a rematch, and Hiroshi Tenzan will defend the NWA heavyweight title against Big Daddy Yum Yum. And then May 14, 2015, a New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling show on April 29th in, uh, in Kumamoto, uh, Hiroshi Tenzan retained the NWA title, beating Big Daddy Yum Yum via submission in 10 minutes and 57 seconds, with the Anaconda Vice apparently not pretty. So Tenzan having a pretty good run here and uh we're going to talk about the end of the Tenzan run when we actually do part four this is probably where we're going to end it here as far as the tag titles at this point and what's going on with them they're uh they're most primarily now uh in the united states with the killer elite squad uh holding it until uh you know about late uh 2015 which we will get into later in the show there but uh the Kira Lee squad, so it's, they're kind of doing it back and forth, but then after they lose it, it becomes primarily a title defended in the States and not in New Japan. Yeah, mostly NWA Mid-South <laughs> at that point. Uh, going up, going in between uh, teams like the Heat Seekers, um, Matt Riviera and Rob Conway, uh, just both teams just trading it back and forth for several years. So yeah, so um, so we've uh we had we've had this relationship here, and by the way, I don't really think Liger and I don't know. I didn't look at the future notes here because I like to be surprised. I don't think Liger and Tharp have a real blow off, do they? Uh, I guess we'll see. No, right, I guess we'll see. Uh, um, they're definitely did, drawing it out. That's for sure. I, uh, I, but yeah, I, so I put the notes together like four months ago, so I don't remember off the top of my head. But I know like they were running with that and. But yeah, we'll, we'll see when we go through the nuts. So this Bruce Tharp run starts with some questionable decisions with the seven levels of hate. Uh, you know, not 
resulting in NWA champion, making it vacated, getting rid of affiliates and Marquez and uh, wanting to go over internet, over television and everything. But the New Japan relationship really definitely, I think, probably kept the NWA prominent. If he doesn't have this New Japan deal, I don't know what where it would have been for Corgan to buy, which we're going to talk about in part four. So probably a great thing to happen uh, is this relationship. And like I told you guys, I'm still mind blown. This is in that same, in the same, in the ball club era. Absolutely mind blown. You know, so, all right. With, with that, uh, any final thoughts uh, the, of the part three that we've talked about here, the NWA title and the NWA business from 2007 to 2017? Uh, no, uh, not really. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of Japanese news and notes coming here, Japanese heavy show here, but, that's just seems to be what happened with the NWA and that's where their focus was. And uh, yeah, like you said, it, it, I think it kept them afloat. I agree with you on that. All right. So uh, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for listening and supporting us, you know, just kidding, hearing us talk and read observers and, and uh, figure four weeklies and, and give our opinions and experiences. Uh, we really want to thank the support. Uh, we usually have 13,000 plus listeners every month. We really, we, we were just mind blown by that. But uh, if you could tell your friends about us, anybody who likes independent wrestling, say, hey, check these guys out. Uh, you know, we, we'd love to have a, even a larger listener base and be able to, you know, uh, have more feedback and, and, and just, you know, more people want to support independent wrestling and really know the history behind it. So make sure to, you know, listen to us, whether it's Google podcast, Spotify, Apple podcast, but, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star rating if if you really think inclined to. That uh, that stuff helps. And then if you actually have a small business, you've heard some sponsors before here. If you have a business and you're looking to advertise, we are absolutely open. We're very reasonable with advertising rates. Shoot us a message. You know, we'd love to have you involved. Uh, at the end of the day, independent wrestling is a community, and we're trying to really just li- teach about what laid the uh, groundwork of what we have now through this podcast um so once again social media you can find me chris gullo on twitter instagram and facebook uh, my upcoming schedule uh november 6th i myself and uh jonathan Ash will actually be in binghamton for end uh, for <laughs> for excite wrestling uh one will fall uh which features matt cardona versus sean carr also the excite heavyweight title colby carino uh gets a shot at the title as well as Anthony Green against the champion Big Time Bill Collier. Uh, there's going to be a cage match tag team with uh, Cade Lothbrook and, and G. Raver versus H.C. Loke and Masada. Uh, so there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of good stuff going on that show. That's Excite Wrestling. Check them out. And then uh, if our next episode doesn't hit, doesn't come out before, but it probably should, but if it doesn't, uh, Empire State Wrestling, Wrestle Bash, we have a huge uh show this year for wrestle bash that's november 27th uh they'll be in niagara falls new york and uh we've already seen the drama king uh, matt revolt uh be announced uh the main event's going to be daniel garcia defending his uh esw heavyweight title against kevin blackwood and much more and and, and there's much more that's going to be at the show to be announced but i don't want to give it all away in this podcast check out esw social media for that 
Yeah, uh, and that show, will be on, uh, that show will be on IWTV and all the on-demands uh, short, shortly after the show, within 72 hours, if I, if I have the free time to get it out there. No. Anything else you want to plug, Ash? I know you're around, you're around, you're a world traveler nowadays. Um, I, I need a break. Um, yeah, I've, we've mentioned it before. I, uh, I've been working with Go Professional Wrestling, GoPro Wrestling, the, uh, production team that handles Game Changer Wrestling, uh, Russell Pro, uh, Blitzkrieg, um, Northeast Wrestling, pretty much any top indie in the Northeast, we have a hand in it somehow. Um, so I've been helping out with a lot of those feds. I'm on the B team, so if they're double booked, I pick up the scraps, basically. Uh I've been helping out at some game changer shows recently. I have um gonna help out at hybrid wrestling on November fifth. Uh might have something going on uh second week of November. Can't really say yet because I don't think it's announced yet, but uh yeah, I've got some production work I'm doing there uh, out towards the Midwest. So just stay tuned to social media and I follow me on Instagram because I always post pictures uh, looking for clout on there. At uh, Instagram is uh, Ref Ash, R-E-F-A-S-H-E. Same for Twitter. Uh, don't friend me on Facebook. I don't really accept uh, strangers on there, but just follow me on Twitter and Instagram on there and uh follow my wrestling expades you'll have to change those twitter and instagram handles to producer ash uh, oh go uh, <sighs> gopro's been on me constantly it's yeah, to, to ash gpw <laughs> um they, they they were they were on me again today about it i i eventually will i just it's i've had it for 10 years and i like i hate doing that because then Anyone that tagged me or not not tag anyone that like added me in a tweet, it breaks the link and I my that would bother bother my OCD. <laughs> Plus All I never right, retired. Uh, it, I never retired as a referee. That, that's so, true, yeah. And yeah. uh you, you didn't even show. ref the last TCW shows or comeback shows. You did the production. So No, it, it and it was brought it was brought up. Uh <laughs> I was I was told I'm taking a bump and I'm like, No, I'm not. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I think my last ref show was St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada for Smash. Uh, pre-pandemic. A bustling community. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's a subway. And <laughs> that doesn't have provolone. You can't get provolone for some reason in subways in Canada. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for reminding me. Uh, 2CW, we did our big reunion show. Uh, 2CW was a big time, uh, pretty big fed up in central New York from 2006 to 2015. We did a uh, double shot reunion show in Binghamton and Syracuse, New York, a few weeks ago, uh, September 30th and October 1st. One show is live. One show is live to tape. One show is live streamed. They're both available right now at Two uh, CW's YouTube page, which can be found at the number two Two CW Live dot com. That goes right to the YouTube page. Both are on there. I I produced, directed, edited those shows, so. Uh, check them out give us feedback um a lot of surprises on there uh the dark order work negative one made an appearance that kind of went viral so yeah check it out there i know uh the great chris gullo uh made an appearance there in the crowd (laughs) 
I was not on the show. I was hanging out. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Great stuff there. Too. And we people ask us all the time. Well, do a CW episode. Maybe eventually, but you thought XPW was a lot of parts. The NWA was a lot of parts. The, the fact, all the knowledge you have, Ash. Oh, we're, talking, would be, we're talking uh, eight, yeah. nine parter to CW. Oh, it, th- there's so much parts. <laughs> like how much of an asshole Bubba Ray Dudley is. Yeah, that would be a part by itself. Those are the opinions of Jonathan Ash, not of Chris Gello. I you think know, it's a lot of the busted open nation listen to us. <laughs> so, I, 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 I think Bubba would admit that he, admit that he <laughs> yeah. could be right. Like, I'm not saying anything out of line there. Um. Also, if one, if you haven't got enough of my voice, I'm also on WrestleNomics every uh, Sunday. Uh, well, we release Monday, but we record every Sunday. Yeah, we're usually around release every either Sunday night or Monday, uh, where me and Brandon Thurston break down the uh, business of professional wrestling. So you can check out WrestleNomics on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and check out Brandon Thurston on Twitter. He's always putting up graphs and charts and, and breaking ratings news before anybody else uh, in the world of professional wrestling. And then uh, just real quick to our listeners, if you're fairly new to the show or you came post XPW episodes, go back and listen to the XPW episodes. We've had a lot of people digging back into the archive this month because of the dark side of the ring. Uh, And we did multiple parts on XPW and really the Now, I will say this, the dark side of the ring episode. I didn't know about the apparition. We didn't bring that up now. The apparition of Messiah. I would have loved to talk about that, but we ca- we did cover most of the stuff that was in the episode in, in a lot more detail. And um, so check it out uh, our previous episodes. Uh, yeah, we went ten hours on there. Yeah, <laughs> for, for XPW. Other than that, um, you know, uh, hope you all in, have a very safe Halloween. And then uh, if we somehow don't record before they have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, for Jonathan Ash, I'm Chris Gull. Thank you. Keep supporting independent wrestling and keep supporting rediscovering the Indies. <laughs>